to What Are You Doing Movie Archives. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Down in Front. Our movie this week is 2010 Moby Dick. Why is it 2010 Moby Dick? Uh, someone on the panel directed it. Okay. Dorkman. Don't put this on me. <laughs> Before we get started, go Proce- ahead and... Process of elimination. Pop in your freshly purchased copy of 2010 Moby Dick from yeah. the Asylum. Get your rented copy from Blockbuster. Find it on Netflix. Press play. Press pause after the 45 Asylum trailers play. And then... The Asylum Pictures Presents or whatever fades to mountains in the beginning when it's a snow-covered tundra area, right? Just kidding. If There's you no pause there, I pause there as well. In a second, I'll say three, two, one, unpause, at which point I'll press play, you'll press play, and we'll watch the movie together in perfect sync. It'll be like any other commentary. Wait, it literally will be <laughs> yeah. like any other commentary. Yeah. Because we're sitting here with the director of the film, Trey Stokes. Hi. Before we get to that, my name as always is Teague Christie. I'm sitting here with Michael Dorkman Scott. That's still my name, too. Yep. <laughs> Brian William Fenefter. Greetings. And Trey the Amazing Stokes. Hi, I made this. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, 2010, where was I? Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah where, where, where were you when you first saw this movie? Well, at one point I was actually on the set. Three inches to the left of where you are right now. And I got in trouble, and we'll talk about that. Yeah, that was a great day. Yeah, that was fun. And uh, I just wanted to make <laughs> T- sure you Teague were... almost got us kicked off I our location. To, I wanted to make sure you were stressed, okay? Yeah, I didn't know you. if it was going to be working. Things were going too well until you showed up. <laughs> I tried. That was a great moment. This movie is... Um, it's gonna be. I'm, I have no problem shitting on this right in front of you. <laughs> this is a dopey movie, and it's got a really crappy whale. Thank you. And um, that being said, it actually does on a story level. It has a, an interesting story and a subplot that are going on, and then at some point it it disappears into what we'll call uh, an atoll. Yeah. It, it, it yeah. goes to the atoll, and um, does it recover? I think it does. <laughs> really? I think it does. And, I can't wait and, to hear that. And we'll, we'll talk about why. But it has to do with Barry Bostwick from oh. Rocky Horror Picture Show. Mm. Uh, Thank God for Barry. Fr- uh, frankly, saying the line. Yeah. He says it. Yeah. He means it. He says it. Uh, Michael Dirkman Scott, you were just introduced to Moby Dick. Yeah, this is... this is uh, <laughs> Fresh. It's fresh This has just, just uh, been added to the short list of movies I saw twice in the same day. <laughs> nice. So... Uh, <laughs> I'm so jealous. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, <coughs> it's better than Monster. Not Monsters, not the Gareth Edwards movie. Not but better the, than Monsters. But the... But the movie monster the cloverfield ripoff that asylum did oh okay not the charlie is the wrong movie no and not that one either it's entertaining hey (laughs) well then mission accomplished which is more than what you can say for most asylum i agree i agree so um you know are you looking forward to this commentary or are you trepidatious (laughs) a little of both okay you think i'm I'm gonna cry you think i don't know i'm I'm gonna wait to see how much you shit on it before i necessarily go go all the way carefully (laughs) Cool. I'll carefully dabble. Uh, Brian Lee Fenifter, um have you seen this? I have. <laughs> I don't want to toot my own horn, but I played a, a pretty significant role in this production. More than me, really. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, well, I was. I was going to say, I think you would be hard pressed to find somebody who played a, a larger role in yeah. this production. Yeah. So that was my punchline. That's now completely destroyed. But that's <laughs> I'm, fine. I'm really, I'm really <laughs> excited that we get to do this with the actual assistant editor and assistant to the director in the room. This is going to yes, be good. Yes. Yeah. The, the director's driver. Finally, finally uh, a commentary with some authority to it. Yes, you know, exactly. Is that like the office and where there's the assistant director and the assistant to the, <laughs> the director? <laughs> you are the Dwight <laughs> Schrute. Yeah. going on yeah. to yeah. Trey's Michael Scott. Exactly. <laughs> not Michael Scott's Michael Scott. Yeah. I'm certainly not John Krasinski. No, um, but okay. So yeah, I was I was helping Trey out, uh, and then that just uh, that, that that led into me going, Brian, for God's sake, go go over there and help those people. <laughs> yeah, go uh, do the, go do that. Go, go go say the line. Go dub the line. Go edit the scene. Uh, Whatever. Yeah. So there's, there's a scene. There's one scene where I have two lines in here, and we'll talk about that when we get there. And there's about 
50 other shots that I'm in, yeah. and uh, there are a few pieces of this movie that I helped edit. He's right. basically like the Eddie Murphy of 2010 Mobile. <laughs> Brian plays all the helmsmen of every of every submarine. Trey, we have three. Hi. Give us the short version, man. <laughs> we'll, we'll get the long version as we go of on. How my life. Also, this movie is not. Uh, this point. This is it's not terribly long, so I don't think we'd have to necessarily worry about keeping our intros all that short. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I think the setup. You know, we'll do the setup. Uh, we can take a little extra time with the setup, and then uh, and then just run this pig. Um, How did your life become this? Yeah, uh, it, oh, it took a lot of effort. Let me tell you, um, years of hard work. First, the earth cooled, and um, and uh, things and DVD releases became um, profitable. Um, a friend of mine uh, named Mark Kaczynski, who is an effects guy who I've known many for many years, a great effects guy, who also was one of the founders of the 48-Hour Film Festival, the local 48-Hour Film Festival um, that I participated in many times, um, had was uh, running the effects department at Asylum, which consisted, at the time we were doing this movie, oh, those four months ago, um, <laughs> so yeah, it's been a long post-production process, um, consisted of two guys. Uh, the, the effects department at Asylum consisted of two guys. I believe it now consists of five guys more than um, that like seven or eight I think. seven or eight they've actually amped up jesus um, yeah so uh and mark you, you know what other movie had a f- four-month turnaround spielberg's war of the world that's right so that's exactly. the level so that- <laughs> spielberg <laughs> had ilm and i you know asylum has two guys has uh as mark and Joe. what is the asylum for those so that you're not, not so familiar? fucking special are you yeah, spielberg that's right <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll i'll lay my movie against his any day uh if he, if he spots me the handicap of budget um, and Tom Cruise, um, although I had Barry Boswick, so bite me. Um, the uh, what, what the hell was your question? Uh, uh, the what, asylum. What is the asylum. The asylum. Well, uh, the asylum. Uh, if if you don't know the asylum, uh, then uh, you really should. Uh, the asylum. Um, they make a movie every month. Uh, that is their stated goal, and I believe they have kept to it. Um, and it shows. They uh, they 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 grind out. They have they have different categories of movies that they make. They have um, they were the people who who suddenly uh, stumbled into this concept of the mockbuster. That's the in-house term for it, which is where they see what movies are coming out and they make as close to a kind of a knockoff of that movie and get it to market as close to that movie as they can. Um, and this is a case of so that. So that grandpa walks into the store and he's like, exactly. hey, I heard about that. Yeah, exactly. okay, their, their business My mo- son loves Transmorphers. Their, their <laughs> yeah. business model consists of people who don't proofread carefully uh, <laughs> at, at Blockbuster. Um, and in the case of Moby Dick, uh, which was originally when we shot it, was called Moby Dick and not 2010 Moby Dick, the rather awkwardly new title, which we'll get into why that happened. But 2010 colon Moby Dick. Yeah, it was originally called Moby Dick because there is a big budget version of Moby Dick being made as we speak or in post or whatever. Um, and uh, if, it's, if it's public domain, then they're even more golden. I mean, they, they made a movie called Sherlock. Sherlock Holmes that came out exactly the same time as the Robert Downey, Guy Ritchie version. Um, and uh, their Asylum's version is the one with the dinosaurs and robots in it. <laughs> so if that's it, how you can tell. That's how you can tell. Okay. Um, now I want to see it. So they had, the, so they had, yeah, it's actually, some people say it's kind of good schlocky fun. That was, uh, I, I want to see that one myself. Uh, the, so that's one of their things is the mockbuster. Um, right now they're shooting Battle of Los Angeles, not to be confused with, with Battle, Battle Los, Los Angeles, Angeles yeah. uh, which is uh, coming out. And then they, their other uh, their other big thing is the uh, the giant uh, giant fish, <laughs> the, the mega this mega that, which you see on the Sci Fi Channel if you have that. The, the notorious mega piranha, mega shark versus giant octopus. Now I want to be clear: did they do sharktopus? Sharktopus they did not do. 
Okay. Well, I don't care. Because that was, strangely enough, that was the original, that's the original man who, you know, could have came up with this business That model. was Roger Corman. Mr. Movie. Corman. Mr. Roger Corman uh, produced Sharktopus, but he's kind of ripping off the asylum in that mm. regard. Uh-huh. Strangely, the, the circle is complete, and uh, now he is but the learner. So uh, that's the asylum, and, and they're... There, it's a very, it's a very fun place to work. It really is, and, and Brian, you can jump in any time because Brian's actually spent more time there than I did. I think at this point, I have. Yeah, I'm to say, yeah. and uh, it's it's an aptly named place. Uh, they they um, they make no bones about what they do, uh, and they are they they kind of revel in the the cheese that they that they manufacture, and uh, they're not apologetic for it at all. And uh, so, if you're gonna if you're gonna get on board the asylum bandwagon, you have to kind of just get ready to you know roll in the cheese. They start, <laughs> go, they okay, here we go. They We're going to make a crazy movie. Yeah, they certainly know what they make, which yeah. is more than admirable. you can say about Amblin. So I'm sorry. Everybody in the internet who goes, wow, these guys are really stupid. They don't know what they're doing. We know exactly what we're doing. <laughs> we did it on purpose. <laughs> Uh, the best, <laughs> yeah. The best way, the best way that they summed it up, and this was actually what what was really the right thing to say that got me on board with the movie was they said, think of it like a, you're directing our television series, and that was actually the most useful piece of advice they gave me, because if you're a director, and we talked about this in other commentaries, if you're a director of a television series, you don't get to. I'm going to put my stamp on this. No, yeah. you're. I'm telling my story. No, yeah. the producers are telling the yeah. story. The story when David are, Fincher directs The Office. It still looks like The Office. It still looks just like The Office because it's already been figured out. The actors already know their characters. You're just going to get to point the camera at things. You don't get to put your individual stamp on it. So, so an asylum movie in the end is not the director's movie. It's the asylum's movie. And, and at any point, they will go, all right, we've had enough of you, and now we're just going to finish it however we want to. Which didn't really happen to me until the very, very end of the process, and we'll talk about that. They actually, uh, I had a lot of input to it. So, What was your experience with them like, on the whole? They're, all, they're nice guys. Uh, there was just, uh, in the end, what, uh, what boned us was uh, the schedule. You know, It's like we really, literally had to get this movie out the door because the next movie was coming in the door two days later. And uh, you know, the post-production people had to move to the next movie. Making a movie every month, that's just how it goes. And I brought in... You know, I did I did effects work. I did over a hundred effects shots for it myself to augment the effects department. I brought Brian is Brian in as a second editor. Brian edited several scenes in this movie, um, and even then we still couldn't quite get the yeah. post completed. In even time. then we still ran out of time. Yeah. unfortunately. So so my uh, my overall take on this movie is uh, if you want to see the director's cut of this movie, watch this movie and turn it off before the last twenty minutes, because the last twenty minutes what you're seeing is basically a rough cut that was turned into a DVD and sold to people. Nice. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what the hell's that going the, on. Ha ha, fooled you. In the last 20 minutes, I don't know what's going on in the movie any more than anyone else Okay, does. good. Because when I was watching this, I literally I literally went... Uh, I, yeah. at, at a certain point in the last 20 minutes, I literally said, I've completely lost the thread of yeah, this movie. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's four overlapping storylines which were never refined in editing. It's literally the, the editor's first assemblage. This is, this is the, like the assembly edit of the last third of the yeah. movie. And here it is spilling out into your house. Enjoy. So you're at the point where the the Asylum Presents title card has faded to shiny white mountains as I am here. Have your mouse or remote ready or just imagine that you're watching the movie. <laughs> Three, two, one on pause. And we're in. Yeah. I love I love the quick fades where it's like, okay, if we go any further on the stock footage, we have to pay for it. No, so. we did pay for the stock oh, footage. Oh, did you? We did. We totally paid okay. for it. In fact, these, like in fact, these samples. are effect shots. You can see my very bad, uh, my very bad uh, application of, of haze to cover up the fact that there's <laughs> rocks and trees. Um, but yeah, 20 bucks. A, those shots are 20 bucks a pop, man. They cost them uh, big money. The, the the first thing someone I'll, had to eat apples all day because yeah, we I, wanted to have those. <laughs> exactly. The, the first global statement I'll make about this movie is we were really really hurting on time, and the movie had to be ninety minutes long. 
Um, and so every single scene of this is cut as excruciatingly long and slow yeah. as it possibly could have been. Again, if I'd had any say in, you know, gee, can it be an 85-minute movie? I could easily have pulled five to ten minutes out of this movie. And in fact, we had to go back and shoot new material yeah, just we, to pad out the There's time, some scenes in here that are just like little in, in, like insert day improvs. That like a, like a vignette in the movie. That yeah. shot was stolen from Titanic 2. There's yeah. A, there's, uh, there's, something else that uh, Asylum does a lot is steal shots from other movies. Other movies, yeah. Uh, we, we, it's like, yeah, we got lots of shots of guys on submarines from Mega Shark and Mega Octopus and blah, blah, blah. So, um, How so involved were you in the writing process? I wasn't involved at all in the writing process. Um until we shot there there are scenes that i you know i pulled director's privilege and we tweaked on the set um you know some lines were were you know didn't quite work or we like well i a lot of th- a lot of times i would try and err on the side of clarity i i'm being the the good the good news was being such a nerd you know the mo- the movie for example the script never explained this whole concept of passive and active sonar even though passive and active sonar is a major plot point in the movie <laughs> and so none of the actors knew I had to like explain sonar to the actors all the time. <laughs> like, okay, so there's, now you know when the submarine goes bing, that's active sonar, which is one kind of sonar, and then there's passive sonar in this whole. And I even, and, and to the editor all also. the way through to the editor because the editor would like you know when you have a submarine shot, you make it go bing, and I said no, no, this whole scene that's me, that's my hand, this, this Brian's hand in an insert shot. Um, the this whole opening scene is about <laughs> that, that's going to happen a lot, by the way. Yeah, this whole opening scene is about passive sonar. The submarine is not pinging; it's listening. Yeah, you know they're they're so. This guy Jay Gillespie, Jay Gillespie, who he rules, very good. He's, he's, he's good. really good, he, and uh, he's and, great. And and the day that I want to do like the remake of also Real Genius, or yeah, that's right, the the cassette Brian, shot. Brian, every shot in the movie that has a hand is yours. Wait, moving on, unless except <laughs> someone is mine. I double I double Renee's hand, just like I did in Ark. But um, the the uh, what the hell are we talking Gillespie about? Oh, Jay. Jay is like when we do when we do some kind of movie where we need a flashback of young Val Kilmer. Jay <laughs> is the man because he is like a dead ringer. It's so weird that he's playing young Barry Bostwick uh-huh. and he's actually a dead ringer for young Val Kilmer. He um, actually, I, I, watching this, I was like, I know him from somewhere. And he actually, uh, he actually auditioned for Kung Fu Red as well. Oh, there so you I, go. The See, and he was short. good. He and was he, good. I was, that's funny. I was just over at Jake Lloyd's uh, house the other day, and he had, his roommate has a poster of some horror movie that he did, uh-huh. and I saw Jay's name on it. I was yeah. like, holy shit. Jay works yeah. a lot, he, and he's, he's in the new Hellraiser. Um, ah, nice. He's got a problem. New, new he's going to float to the top because I like him a lot. He's yeah. really, really yeah, talented. Yeah, he's good. Like a lot. I is- wanted, I wanted to cast him. He just doesn't have the right look for it. Yeah, but yeah. I was like, I'm really tempted I'm to remember. change the character. Oh yeah, yeah. This whole, this, but yeah. But this I'm whole scene was like, at, like the, after the, about the, at the end of first week of shooting. This one, in fact, was is at the power plant, at AES power plant, which is where you guys came. I don't know if it was this day that you guys came by the set on your way to Comic Con. But um, you know, I'd just been shooting for like five days with with Barry and Renee and all the all the the main cast, and then suddenly we do this flashback sequence. So it's like I showed up, and now there's a whole other cast. I'm shooting a whole other movie in a whole other place, um, in this uh, power plant, which uh, which Asylum goes to a lot. If you can see this power plant in in so many Asylum movies, you can see these scenes, these sets in so many Asylum movies. And the submarine is Ark. The, well, the submarine when we get to the Pequod is is uh, yeah is the same set from Ark. Um, this is uh, this is literally just rooms in a power plant. In uh, where the hell was that power plant? Uh, um, Long Beach. Long Beach. Yeah, Long yeah. Beach area, just south of uh, Seal Beach. So what, one of the things I did, one of the just two things. If there's any directorial anything that I can take some credit for in this movie is. Uh, is that I use the same technique as we use in art. That guy Ben is just w- was one of their production yeah, assistants. Yeah, you'll see production assistants all over the place. Yeah, so anyone, anyone with oh, you know, my voice. That's right. Brian dubs that guy. Cause they, that guy they, was German. They would send us. He was Dutch or German or something. They would send us. We have and on board the Essex, we have a French, uh, the French torpedo operator. Um, <laughs> they would just literally send me actors I would I had not met, and it's like this whole cast I met that day. Like hi. 
let's make a movie. I've never met you. I didn't have any say in casting you. I don't know who you are. Let's get let's get going. And uh, everyone was great. Uh, everyone was, it was really a fun group to work with. All the actors were really fun. But by they, the way, I like I like the way you're doing a lot of the Michael Bay stuff. Like keep the camera moving you. side to side. That was all well. The time. That was a it, that's uh, it's it's not so much Michael Bay as it's Red October. Mm. Um, you know, uh, John McTiernan and Red October got around the fact that nothing happens in submarine movies because submarines move really slow mm-hmm. and there's no windows to look out of and it's a bunch of guys in a tube and uh, and he just he has the camera craning all the time yeah. and uh, so I just totally stole that trick so here's here's uh, here's a little Moby um, coming at you so anyway my, my uh, thing is uh, you can see these little blinky lights all over the place there's little blinky lights and those are just little the same little magnetic lights I used to decorate the set in arc uh, that we just stick on any surface to, to liven up the surface. That was one thing. And the other thing was the moving camera, which was a mandate. They, they, told me I, they told me to never, ever, ever go on sticks, and we never, ever, ever did go on sticks. The camera never went on a tripod, except for the very few cases where it was going to be a post, you know, it was a post shot where we had to add an element, and then we would add, we would add some kind of movement to it. This is one of my effect shots, too, the debris flying in. I did like 100 incidental effect shots. This whale did not think this through. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's like 500 feet long, 400 of which are on the ice. So now. when we get to the Pequod, I'll talk about uh, some of the shooting technique of that. And so this, this scene here where, where um, Ahab gets his leg ripped off, I mean, there was no... I got handed the script like four days before we started to shoot. And, you know, I, I never, never had a moment to, like, make a shot list. There was never such a thing as a shot list. I didn't even plan, like, what the hell I was going to do. And, and half the time we're making up the effects as we go. And so, so Ahab's leg getting ripped off. We totally, totally just figured out on the day. How'd you end up doing it? Well, it's uh, he's it's it's just uh, we do it later, same similar one later with Barry with his leg. It's just you know that's a dummy leg, and his his uh, Jay's actual leg is down below, and we have a little dummy stump with some uh, caro syrup on it, and we uh, you know we we just put a little piece of floor, you know, I, I literally it's and it's, cut up the jeans and cut up the jeans and shredded it and pasted it all together with blood and uh, and just kind of did a thing where we slid this away from him and. We, we, there's that shot of that yeah, eye. Yeah, we, we see go that to close up of the sh- the eye yeah. so many times. Yeah. You'd think they would have dealt with the the ah. texture tearing that goes on, yeah. like the texture bubbling. Let's we'll, at least make that well, one look. We'll nice. talk about the effects process but. at the <laughs> asylum Seriously, as well. Seriously, that works. That looks good. Yeah, yeah, that's a good and, one. Uh, and it was a, it was you know my my you know rubber rubber band and bailing wire you know beginnings in effects really paid off in this yeah. movie because half the time we were doing cheese ball effects. Um, I have to give the uh, the editor. Uh, Alex Boswick. The editor, Alex, uh, conceived... Alex Evans. Alex Evans conceived this this whole opening, uh, Rene O'Connor's name. As opposed to... Rene uh, O'Connor's name misspelled. Um, as opposed to... I told Alex, him how to spell it. Well, Alex... Uh, how is it misspelled? Uh, accent over the last E. Oh. Um, he conceived this whole sort of montage opening, and I said, wow, are you sure you want to go for that? Because that's going to be a lot of elements. And he and he was he was regretting it after a while <laughs> because he had to put so much together. But it's a, it's a good opening. It yeah, really, it is. It, you know, it really helps. Um, it's really kind of cool. This this sort of historical overview. Were you going to ask? Uh, a question? I was just going to say Alex it. Evans, the yeah. editor, as opposed to Alex Yellen, the DP. Yes. As opposed to Alex Hutchinson, the sound guy. The sound guy, <laughs> as opposed to Alex, who is one of our onset PAs, yeah. uh, who drives one of the uh, drives one of the boats. Well, we, we well it's over... really simple, actually. You just yell Alex and command them yeah. to do something, and, and it'll get. <laughs> and the done. right one will do <laughs> the right thing. Exactly. Chris Ridenhour did a great job with the score. You know, yes. I I the score. Of this guy, this guy who I never met. You know, we gave him the we gave him the cut. And three days later, he came back with the score 
which I loved. I loved the score. I thought he for a, you know a three day wonder. Especially I thought his score was really good. Especially given the facts. So I helped edit this scene, and after that, I assistant edited the next two movies. And so while I was assistant editing the next one, the guy was editing the new Mega Shark movie. Yay! Yay! That's by something Stokes. that you don't and, normally see. And it's pretty much a bank gothic. I see it a lot. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> true. It's it's pretty much a directive from on high at the asylum to use the Dark Knight soundtrack as it your is. temp track. The, the temp track is the I Dark Knight. I am so fucking sick of that one track <laughs> yeah. at this point. Oh, yeah. This entire movie was temp scored with the same track of the Dark Knight. And so is Mega Shark, and pretty much, I guarantee yeah. you, Battle of Los Angeles will be as well. I was sick of the Dark Knight score when I heard it you know, pop up in the next five movies that Hans Zimmer did, but I'm glad you're sick of it too now. At least yeah. we're all on the same page. So, oh, so yes. let's talk about Renee. Can here's we talk R- about first why you named your dinghy Renee. the coffin? Like yeah, that's a that's, bad idea for you. Well, that's that's an in joke. That's a setup for a punchline that was cut from the movie. <laughs> um, oh. The the this, there's a lot of for people who like are into Moby Dick the novel. There's a lot of references to Moby Dick the novel yeah. here, and the first and and this there are is, no Ishmaels though. That's well, no. The thing that... Her first line is "Call me Michelle." Get it? Ah, she's she's Michelle. <laughs> yeah. Herman, She's Michelle, Michelle Herman. Herman. So it's a little bit Herman Melville, a little it's, bit. It's an Ishmael. homage to both. Okay. You know, she is the she is the Ishmael character. She's the one who's brought on board the ship oh. and is the newcomer. Okay. And, and her first line is "Call me Michelle." I get and it. And as soon as I as soon as I read the script, <laughs> I was like. You know, this might be kind of stupid fun. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to point out here, this is a bit of foreshadowing oh, with you. the birds that would not exist without Trey Stokes directing this film. Thank you very much. Yeah, otherwise, Trey, this the whole question. thing would not make sense. Yeah. She picks up her personal recorder, yeah. and then she starts to talk to herself and explain what whales are to herself. Am, yes. I, mis- am I misunderstanding this? No. She's, this is, she's making it. So here. she's giving herself an as-you-know scene. Well, but... You know, she's not making notes for herself. She's making notes for posterity. Okay. So, um, as you'll see later, when she makes, uh, she, asks, she, she asks her assistant to make sure okay. the but tape gets back. But is she explaining the premise of her field of study to herself for posterity? No, she's explaining it to whoever might whoever be listening listens, to the tape yeah. at some point. Okay. Um, and she, it's, it's not an as you know, it's kind of an as you know scene in a sense. But uh, you know, thank God because otherwise, in fact, this whole uh, most <laughs> of what she says is uh, is dubbed in later when we realized that we needed to do a whole lot of setup that didn't exist. Ah. Um, in fact, her whole speech are about sonar. Is uh, it was was done in post because one of the one of the producers um, David Ramawi said uh, you know this whole idea of sonar irritating whales is a plot point and when we were editing that part of the scene he was like what so what's the deal I said well see sonar irritates whales and makes them ground themselves and it's very hazardous to them and he goes wow it would have been nice if the movie explained that at some point so I said <laughs> you're right and so when we when we uh, came brought Renee in for ADR we had her totally changed her speech to explain that the whole idea about sonar being uh, injury inducing to whales by the way uh, Renee O'Connor looks very good in a bikini she does uh, the, the uh, my god I couldn't uh, I couldn't wait to shoot this scene the the backstory really quick is uh, is of course Renee was uh, the lead of arc and uh, we'd done arc together and she'd uh, we'd been friends ever since and when this got handed to me they they had Barry Boswick already cast before I came on board so to speak was Barry was already cast. Barry was the big, uh, you know, lead, and they had this female character, you know, in the script. And we were up to three days before the shoot, and we they still hadn't found a name as big. They wanted another name to balance with Barry. We had lots of we had lots of unknown actresses came in who I thought would have been perfectly good, but the asylum guys wanted wanted a uh, you know a, uh, a a name actress. And so I said to Renee idly one day, I said, you know, I'm doing this crazy movie, and it's like there's a female role that isn't awful. 
and you'd actually be really good in. And uh, she goes, well, send me the script. Uh, and so she, she basically, and she has admitted At which later. At you were like, oh, yeah, well, I, I, oh, I disclaimed it like crazy. I said, I'm not saying you should do this. I'm not saying you need to do this movie. But in the end, and she admitted this to me, it's very sweet. She, she did it basically because, you know, she said I didn't want you to be alone. <laughs> because I was going to be thrust into this setup with all these people that I did not know. And, uh, and so she agreed to do it just to help me out, which is, you know, I don't know if she still <laughs> feels good about that. Which is nice. Her, but, but I'm she, not sure what her character is doing in the movie, ultimately, but ultimately, it's nice yeah, of her to be yeah, there. Uh, ultimately, <laughs> yeah, that's, that, there's Brian. That's there. me. I'm in the Brian. Yeah. Little, now, this is weird. Let's talk about the effects. Uh, let's talk about the effects, the way effects work at the asylum. The effects guys at the asylum, contrary to what you think by looking at the effects results, are, are excellent very, effects very guys. Good. They're very, very, you know, uh, talented guys with uh, lengthy histories and lengthy uh, resumes, um, and they have to do about eight to ten shots every day. So, so the fact that these shots kind of work at all is because these guys are really talented enough to do this much in you know ten times a day. So, the, and I, that's why I you know I added, I did a hundred shots myself. You know they they did like two hundred shots. The effects guys did two hundred shots, and I did another hundred for this movie. Um, but it does lead to things like they start doing the effect shots before you shoot. And they don't look at the cut. And so when the script says the whale jumps out of the water, they'll make a shot of the whale jumping out of the water. But if you want to tell them about, well, he should jump about this speed or he should go left to right, they don't want to hear that because that's going to slow them down. So, so they will just give you a shot of a whale jumping out of the water and you try and find that a and place. you use it. You try and find a way to put that in your cut. That's, that's, how okay. they do, that's how they do effects of the asylum. So there's all these plates here, for example, where the submarine comes up on the wrong side of the scene. Yeah. Uh, okay. The, the entire I was going to ask about The entire that. plate yeah. was set up. If you're looking at it, you can tell, gee, it looks like the sub should come up on frame left. Yeah. And when I shot the plate, that was my intention. But when the shot came back from the effects department, by golly, the uh, <laughs> sub was on the frame right because they just they thought that it should be on frame right. So there we go. You can hear my, my voice. You, are you the are you the prepared I'm, to dive voiceover? Yeah, yeah. There you go. And uh, here so we are on a very a familiar set. Laurel King Studios. <clears throat> this is Laurel King. This is yeah. the this is the set that we shot Ark on. The very same set. And if you watch the Firefly episode of Bushwhacked, you'll that's see, the, you'll little, see the, the, set. the and the, and the extra weird ship. the extra weird part of this is this was the we shot four days here and it was the beginning of the schedule, and we we were literally shooting on this set and here are Renee and I you know reunited back on the set of Ark, the very week that arc debuted on hulu so here we are standing and walking around on the set and shooting on the set and then going off to the side of the set to, to make sure that the video that we shot on that set before has successfully arrived on hulu at, yeah at, at the start of that shot you're see, watching down the hallway if you imagine on the other side of that wall from that set is me sitting at a table uploading uploading arc. the arc episodes to hulu yeah so it was all about it was all about that set that week I find this boat amusing. I don't know why, because I've never, I've never seen such a, a trashy whale watching expedition. This they is, usually have the big ferries and stuff like what's that. What's weird is I hang out, I hang out on a friend's boat, Marina del Rey, which is not exactly this kind of boat, but it's very similar kind of boat. This this kind of boat's called a Grand Banks, and uh, the boat that I like to hang out and crash on in my friends. Oh wow, is, is a just, very similar setup. I just saw some netting in the cabin there because that was also the camera boat. Yeah, uh, when it wasn't yeah. on camera, it was the camera boat. Yeah, we, we had three boats all together. We had two Zodiacs and this. And and in this scene, we're shooting from the Zodiacs to this boat, and it's a picture boat. And then when we're shooting Zodiacs, this was our camera <laughs> boat, and we're shooting the Zodiacs. So so we brought, we brought these people out. We, this, this scene we grabbed all in one morning. And uh, these extras, they literally just said, here are your extras. Well, great. Let's go. And uh, we have these, uh, this uh, lovely Russian actress who features later. 
And uh, once again, you know, I, I shot plates and uh, the effects guys didn't have time to ask me what the intent was with the plates. So they put a whale in them where they thought <laughs> a whale should go. Are these whale shots that we're seeing just stock footage? They are. They're, okay. They're stock. Yeah, they're the same from earlier. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Went to that whale. There's not that many good whale yeah. stock foot shots <laughs> available out there. So, so you can see we got this. This is crazy because this and the, we shot this the morning that we shot the scenes of Renee on her, on her dinghy uh, was shot the same afternoon. So we, uh, we'd been out, we were just on the water all day long and all day long. I was just kept thinking about Steven Spielberg and Jaws, uh-huh. you know, and how hard, <laughs> how, how, how hard how, it is. Cause it is, it's extremely hard to get any, any kind of a good shot on now, the water. I, I actually like the, uh, the, you know, the shots you're getting from the Zodiac, like the little sweeping ones by the ship. Yeah. Those are nice. That's all we did. Yeah. We just, we yeah. just oh, swept back and, and circled <laughs> and, and, uh, yeah. So this, this entire action is not what was either scripted or intended by the director. Uh-huh. I don't know. <laughs> these are just sort of, well, these are the shots we got, so we'll try and kind of make a sequence out of them, I guess. Mm-hmm. What was your intention? Well, the intention was he leaps up and eats the other whale and then crashes right down on them, you know, as a, as a secondary thing. That's what it feels like we saw. Yeah. Well, except he kind of goes up, he goes oh. back down, then he goes, goes there's a sideways shot that's from later in the movie. Um, here's my footprint in the snow shot. <laughs> I did this shot with all the screens, and you'll never see it again. This is the footprint in the snow of the Pequod cabin. You'll never, ever see that angle again. Brian, how familiar were you with Moby Dick before uh, making this movie? Uh, I had seen some different versions of it. I had never actually read it. Uh, did you end up reading it? I did because... You were reading it when we were shooting it, Yeah, you? well, yeah. towards towards the end, the, the stuff at the Atoll was, like, at the end of the schedule, and we were on the beach, and I had forgotten my actual book, like, up at the base camp, which was kind of a hike away. Real quick, so I'm I, just going to say, these screens yeah. of all these things, there are arc, there arc in jokes all through them. Yeah. Go ahead. I noticed Marjorica. There's Marjorica, there's the Adam, and then there's the Ener, which is Renee backwards. <laughs> so <laughs> the cast of the cast of, and also the little arc, a lot of those arc graphics are in the, built in those screens. Anyway, Dude, go ahead. All the sorry. factoids in this are going on Wikipedia, you know yeah, it. Oh, absolutely. Go ahead. Um, sorry, Brian, go ahead. Uh, so... So I was on the beach just hanging out, and I didn't have my books. I was like, well, I have a Kindle on my iPhone. I should download Moby Dick because it's free, and I'm on the set of Moby Dick, so that makes sense. Makes perfect sense. And I started reading it and you know, got a few chapters in before the day wrapped, and I was like, oh, you know, I should, I should keep reading, I guess. And so I basically committed myself to reading the entirety of Moby Dick on my iPhone, which is not one of my <laughs> wow. more smart, smarter ideas. But did you? I did. I you finished did. the whole thing. How long did it take? A uh, few weeks, because and that was actually like the last day or two of production, so most of the time I was not reading it on the set. You know but, what that app should have? It should have a distance thumb traveled thing, where every time you slide your yeah. thumb, it just adds that inch, and then at the end <laughs> yeah, of Moby exactly. Dick, you're like, my thumb traveled 5,000 feet. <laughs> a, a pedometer <laughs> for your thumb. Well, the, the thing is, if you try to tr- like track back a couple of pages on Moby Dick, the screen is so small and Moby Dick is so long that it's impossible to like try to find with your thumb anything less than 100 pages. You go <laughs> wow. like, oh, I need to go two pages back. Oh, now I'm like five chapters. But I did it. And my recommendation to anybody who does want to read Moby Dick but doesn't want to read 100 chapters about how whaling was done in the 19th century, literally start at chapter 100. That's where the story really starts. Holy shit, who's this guy? Barry Bostwick, ladies and gentlemen. Asshole! (laughs) One of the reasons I took this movie was because of Barry. I was like, Barry Bostwick? For those playing the home game, he was in Rocky Horror Picture Show. Rocky Horror Picture Show. He's uh, that's that's you know I I I went to a theater many midnights and through toast and rice, 
<laughs> and lit lighters and and uh, so yeah, I didn't uh, I didn't geek out. I maintained I, and even strained. I like that. Invited. I like that earlier they established they've been on this ship for like six months and now he and now everyone's like Moby Dick. What? Yeah, it's how's it? Yeah, and I and some of that well, was like a some of that was thing. Yeah, some of that was reduced a little bit. Uh, there was a little bit more. Um, it, it, it's 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 a plot point that's could have been sharper. Absolutely, as as as, as I. As I was going to say earlier, is not having gotten my arms around the script, literally every day was just triage. It was like <laughs> they would hand me the sides, and here's like a scene written on paper, and I would go, okay, how do I shoot this scene? I didn't have a good picture of like the whole movie, of like uh. how these scenes fit together, and who knows what, when, and what the mood was, and what scenes are coming from, you know, which is kind of what you want to be as a director. Yeah. But I didn't have that luxury of time. So I was literally just, you know, we'd get a scene, and I'd go, okay, here's how we're going to shoot the scene. And, and gradually I was sort of getting a sense of, what was happening in what order and wait continuity wise we should have covered that already and some things we were able to catch on the day but yeah the issue of the issue of and i we made some changes in editorially and we made some changes in audio and we you know constantly fixing this idea that it is a very much a red october mm-hmm. knockoff that the crew doesn't know what the captain is taking them into you know uh-huh. the, the 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 setup is that you know this is a spook ship we kind of set up that the the uh the Pequod is a is a spook ship, so they're used to doing clandestine missions and not knowing what their missions are. Um, but uh, in this case, it, it gradually dawns on them that uh, this mission is especially weird because the Navy is starting to hunt them down and so on and so on. Here's another really nice moment that exists because Trey was the director. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. The, well, the, this moment of you know, hey, I'm not where. She's like, I'm not going to help you hunt and kill this whale. That's ridiculous. And Oh, is that ba- your touch? That's a great touch. Barry has mm. to be like, well, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. well, that was yeah. kind of a... Because re- I'm sure that sophistication didn't exist in the original script. In terms of... Yeah, we had to sort of work out that there's That's Brian me. again. Brian again in the camera. I actually, I actually do like... Isn't the that your car? That was awesome. Well, that in the wide shot we is not my Jeeps. car. We had two Jeeps. But this is my... All the insert stuff. Yeah. This shot included is my car. I like, I like actually earlier because she... What was it? She's like, that's no, that's not a sperm whale or whatever. Yeah. And he's like, oh, did we get the wrong scientist? And I was thinking she should just be like, oh yeah, yeah, you totally got. What is that? A dog? I don't even. I've never even seen it before. Because she doesn't want to be there, so yeah. they just boot her. Yeah, off. you could just drop me off anywhere. <laughs> That'd be fantastic. Trey, prior to this movie, how much did you know about submarines and whales? A lot, because I'm a nerd. Yeah. So I was actually. Did you have a, something? Do you play with you, something submarines at some point? Right. You have a submarine story. How did that happen? I'm going to tell the story. I'm just, well, I worked you had on, a submarine thing. I worked on the Abyss, and there was submarine business in that. And I, you know, I, I stole a couple of concepts from the Abyss. Uh, you know, thank you, Jim Cameron. Uh, this set, by the way, is the conference room. This is the, the conference asylum. room at the asylum. This, <laughs> <laughs> this is. Let me, let me just they, threw some props there. Asylum is like the the Native Americans of filmmaking. They really use every <laughs> they use piece. every piece. Yeah, we shot uh, all kinds. Of my, oh, my shot, screenshot, totally burned in screenshot. Would have been nice to have, you know, the the, the graphic already on the screen, mm-hmm. but no. Tracked nice or to have a little pinned. turn. It makes it. Yeah, they, yeah. Was it tracked or corner pinned? Uh, it was tracked because it's such a simple, you know, simple rotation. Well played. But uh, it's actually the I even had to, I even matched the depth of field across the screen because the depth of field is so narrow. There's <laughs> actually depth of field change. So <laughs> you're a hell of a director. I'm pretty good. Yeah, as as a director, I'm pretty good. If my you know, there we go. We I just like in arc, I had to use the same thing. It's like I'm going to put so much information on these yeah. screens that we need <laughs> to try and make some sense out of this story. I really become very confused about the geography of where the whale is. Oh, and it what, totally. Who's doing what? That's oh, yeah. see that that's one. <laughs> of the, okay, there's two major things in this movie. There where the the script itself is all over the map. Um, and I have to say that the script is better than most asylum scripts. It was uh-huh. written by one of the principals of the asylum. Paul Bales is one of the three 
head guys at the asylum and a very nice guy. And this was one of his little pet projects that he was really excited about. Um, you know, he, 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 the script made more sense than most asylum scripts do. Oh, this, but is, it was this a, is one of the scenes I edited, by the way. That's right. Although it changed, it changed quite a bit. After yeah, I, Brian did the, one of the, the primary edit on this scene. But the, one of the things that's just a, a, a symptom of it being a first draft and going right to set from the first draft is a lot of things aren't, you know, a lot of things don't quite connect. For example, one of the things that I that kill us all the time, constantly in post, is sometimes they they talk, uh, they they measure things in yards. Sometimes they <laughs> measure, really, yeah, the, Sometimes they like, measure in feet. Sometimes they like, measure in meters, and sometimes they measure in kilometers, and yeah. sometimes they measure in miles. And well, it's now we're totally in, no rhyme or reason to well, it. Well, we're in Soviet <laughs> waters now, so they're metric. Yeah, and exactly. <laughs> just, I don't know. And now we're in Klingon waters, so yeah. it's kilocabs. So it's in yeah. <laughs> so it's in centons. Um, that's one thing, and the other thing is that. I tried to sort of put a stamp on it, uh, but again, in post, when they sort of said, okay, the film is locked and you're done, um, I was going to go back through and make some sense out of all the title cards, so it kind of, because the uh, title cards are all over the map, literally, in yeah. terms of saying where things are and who's this is, where. This it's is like, actually the, the scene that I have, like, the most scientific objection to, what he's about to do, <laughs> honestly. Oh, <laughs> oh you like, have no idea. Okay. <laughs> oh, you uh, have no Trey, idea. now that you're speaking on behalf of the movie, please yeah. explain how you can rip the magnetic tape out of a cassette tape and put it into a microcassette without ruining it. Go. Well, you can because you but know his fingers were all over it, and he was sliding his fingers and the fingers and magnets and fingers. I'm not saying he did it well. Okay. Um, the and this was this is a directorial uh, triage that uh, we looked into it. By the way, the tape width of a cassette and a yeah. microcassette is identical. Yeah. So this could happen. It's theoretically possible. We had to, we did so much to try and make this scene work, but the, uh, it was an onset tweak because the original justification was not that the tape was broken, but that they didn't have a cassette player to play it on. And and as as weird and strange as this seems, it seemed weirder to me that Ahab is going, yes, I've been holding this cassette for 30 years. I don't have a cassette player to play <laughs> it on, but I'm going to give it to you. So we came up with this. I said, okay, you know what? I'm just going it's to not, – it's not solving all of our problems, but I am going to say it's the fact that tape is jammed up and won't play is our problem and not the fact that we don't have a cassette player on board. So again, anytime you see one of these screens, yep, yeah, that's me. I did that shit. That's my stuff. Here's a here's a directorial change I made. This whole scene originally was going to be, they were listening to the Essex internal communications for like a page of dialogue where the, we heard the Essex, which is the other submarine that's hunting them, talking about and explaining that they're hunting for the Pequot. <laughs> um, I threw all that out. I, <laughs> I skipped all of that and I said uh, and I changed the idea to. Ahab is so hot shit as a sonar operator that he can actually identify subs by their sound without using the, the database. There's Brian, Ooh. Helmsman. Um, and so I just invented that whole section uh, out of nothing right there that, that Ahab instead is listening listening to the sound of the sub, and he can actually nail what sub it is before the database can, can identify the sub, which uh, I think is, uh, you know. I like that. Yeah, it was fun. So here we are in the Essex where we go full Red October. Um, <laughs> this scene is unabashedly. We changed the lighting. This is exactly the same set as the opening sequence, but now we've gone with the high, uh, high, you know, uh, what's the high intensity, not intensity, saturation mm-hmm. of oh, colors. colors, colors, yeah. And uh, hey, look, it's a shot of the eyeball. Um, and that shot gets repeated. And that shot gets repeated that, many times. And boy, this, times the shot sequences. of the the shot of the flyby of the sub, <laughs> you know, mm. eight hundred thousand times we had to go to that shot of the flyby of the sub. So. So anyway, but the Essex is uh, the Essex is full on Red October. I make no bones about the fact that I'm totally. Thank you, John McTiernan. Uh, totally ripping off Red October because this whole scene is from Red October. The scene is from Red October. The whole everything that happens is from Red October with a whale and, and you gotta get ass. You've yeah. got ass. Yes, exactly. Instead of uh, instead of um, 
Sean Connery, it's a whale, but otherwise this scene is cribbed from Red October. And so I said, well, if they've handed me a ripoff of Red October script-wise, I'll just shoot it like it's Red October. <laughs> I'm, I'm not clever enough to come up with a way to, to twist it. So, Tell me about the DP, because this is a pretty movie. It's a very pretty movie. Alex, Alex uh, is a great DP. Alex is a great DP. He's, he's shot about, by this point, he'd already shot like 10 Asylum movies. So he'd been working for a week and at this point he yeah. shot like so he'd six been working more. for them for a week and a half but um bump but seriously <laughs> um he's a great guy he's a great dp he's very fast i mean he's he's you know he's used to working the way asylum works and so th- you know he was really a great help to me to you know to be able to just uh, okay so let's put the camera here boom bang zoom you know lit ready to go and uh, really came up with great stuff. In the chat room, they're asking, um, ask Trey if he specifically watched sub movies to prepare. U571, Widowmaker, Red October. Um, not specifically before this, because I'm such a nerd, I knew those movies by heart anyway. U571's one of my. Also, f- you didn't have time, really. Yeah, really. I didn't have to watch a whole movie. That would have been two hours. Um, Red October, I know by heart. U571, I can quote. The, every every line of dialogue from it, I think U five seven one is great. So so I already had those in my head, you know, and uh, trying to figure out, you know, how to how to emulate, you know, or homage or use at least the tricks that they used to try and you know tell a submarine story, um, which is funny because one of the notes I got back from the uh, from the producers was, well, the f- movie's feeling kind of claustrophobic. <laughs> I'm like, well, oh, I'm sorry, was it not supposed to be? <laughs> I thought it was a movie about submarines. These guys have a, a, a blue fill and a red kicker, and I want to watch this movie with anaglyph glasses and just see what they look yeah, like. Yeah, we just watch this weird <laughs> be like watching a normal map from up close. Oh, look, a shot of the whale's eyeball. So, yeah, but we flipped it. Did you see we flipped it? Did you notice we flipped it? <laughs> That's directorial styling. I asked for it once I realized that the effects guys weren't going to actually do any shots to order, that they were just going to do shots, and I would take them and like them. Um, I said, can you give me a shot of the whale's eye looking left, looking right, blinking up and down, thinking that we would, you know... Use all of us? You know, cut them up into little bits and pieces. Uh, that's what I got. I got the, the, the whale's eye... You got the oh, whale's eye doing all of it. Yeah, doing all of it. At I, once. I got 80 frames of the whale's eye. So there you go. I have a, I have a question. Yeah. Huh? Between Ark and Moby Dick, did the relationship between Trey the director and Trey the visual effects artist change at all? Uh, no. No, not really. Um, did you, I mean... Ark was it, a great... Arc was a great prep for this because because I, I had my screen literally I used my same screen templates I already had built from Arc you know I had some of these walls already modeled for heaven's sake um, here's one of my hidden effect shots I took turned Kaiser Permanente into the naval, naval hospital, hospital. Yeah. thank you very much that's a, that's that's a Hollywood Riverside <laughs> yeah. yeah you can see uh, this is my car again He's that's right and that's I'm actually driving Brian's car and Brian's driving um, are you filming where's the guy that's filming <laughs> yeah is he on that's your Alex di- in the seat Alex is uh, yeah oh this, this the this, back seat this was our insert yeah. day this oh. was this is one of the scenes we just invented out of whole cloth because we need to make the movie longer and explain things so uh, we just sort of like okay we'll get in Brian's car and we'll drive to the hospital and we'll say stuff and uh, you know Yahoo this was uh, so it was 12 days of uh, principal photography and then a day of pickups day of like pickups. A week later and then we still had holes in time to fill so we just shoot a, anything so uh, on the the first the real day of pickups we had a, a red which is what we shot right. the whole movie on but on the second day of just us going around and, and screwing around all we had was a 7D so some of these shots and some of these little mini scenes are your 7D not mine the oh, asylum but A70 yeah. here's a hospital room which is actually the corner of someone's office 
Yeah, she's it, like, it feels like she's laying on Actually, yeah, it's, I know. Yeah. It's like we, this was this was uh, <laughs> the, the, the opening scene, the opening of the shot where you see the tubes going up. Literally, the art department who had like a dollar to do the art department for this entire movie. The art department, God bless them, they literally had a baggie full of water with a knot tied in it <laughs> hanging off the stand. Like that was going to be her IV. And I'm like, hey, I think we're going to frame off of that. I don't think we're going to shoot that. That's a little too much of a cheat. So this literally, they set this up in like five minutes. You know, she's lying on some boxes in somebody's office. I mean. It was. It was. I was tired that day. I did not exactly uh, do anything too m- momentous. There was no movie I could rip off in this, shooting this, this also, movie. This shooting is also this scene. the uh, the you end of the day, and that's the end of the day is the dying light. This was actually a pitch black scene before they color corrected it. It was. But like, the swapping over to uh, to English while they're actually still speaking Russian. That's. Is that a that's Red October? Yeah, that's it's a, well, except that they're not. The idea is that she starts speaking English. Oh, but she? thank you if you want to assume because uh, he's still doing it with a weird accent. So I just yeah. assume that they're still speaking Russian, but but we're understanding it in English. Hey, that's so. fine if you want to go that way. I like it. I'm down with it. That's good. <laughs> this sure. Is, that's this awesome. is the scene where she's like, Kaiser Yes, Kaiser The one the, this we did do an editorial thing in that scene because the original way the scene was written was he pours her a shot of vodka and she drinks it and she's a she's a she's actual yeah I was like she's an authentic he, he offered it and I'm like yeah That's, you she's, should know better she's an authentic Russian person and and she in her in her charming accent she goes I am dehydrated why would I drink vodka <laughs> exactly. and I was like because the screenwriter thinks all Russians <laughs> drink vodka automatically when offered to them uh, so we said okay how about you refuse the vodka and that it's makes the, boomer look like the idiot you know that works you know, it's so like when tunes here shaving a haircut like they gotta finish it <laughs> yeah they gotta finish it <laughs> russians Cart- have to drink vodka Cart- cartman has to finish sail away <laughs> come sail away so yes indeed so uh, here's another recycle for mark uh when you see um renee's finger pressing this this all digital screen here which is one of my little screens that's exactly the same uh, uh setup and exactly the same finger as when she presses a very similar screen in arc i actually recycled the element of her finger uh, from Mark. And at the end, we have shots from Ark that I actually just kind of slugged in there that I can't wait to get uh, sued for. Where I just, because, hey, it's the same set exploding again. I'll just, I already <laughs> made those shots for Ark. I'll just throw those in. Great. Perfect. With, with regards to your little blinkies that, that you pulled in from Ark, the Asylum has fallen in love with those. They so, do. It's so, their new thing. Yeah. If you yeah. watch uh, Mega Shark 2, Mega Shark vs. Crocosaur, or um, uh, Battle of Los Angeles, you will see those blinkies all over they, the place. They bought, they bought they themselves bought their, a gross they, of those things. They bought their own handful of them. Yeah, yeah. It's, but it's, I don't think they're uh, laid out with as much care to make them not look like they literally patterns. just are stuck on things. Yeah, and 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 done so in in certain patterns, and you're like, that's very clearly somebody doing a thing, as opposed to here where they're kind of random and you don't think about them. Yeah, I we, think, tra- we tried to make them organic, but yeah, yeah, boy, people just were just on and on about you know, oh, those blinky lights are awesome. You yeah. know, they love <laughs> it, those. It turns lights. A, it turns a piece of cardboard into a set. You know, as long as you have it be soft focus. So, so we have Dobie. Where was Dobie? He was away from his post. What the hell? So here's the the creepy scene. We're trying there to. Am, that yep, there's Brian. Brian's one of those guys. <laughs> <laughs> Brian's Brian's. How many shots are you actually in this? Movie? I don't know. Like I'd actually times. like to go back and count. Yeah, I know you would. I would always. Yeah, go. Brian, what was your motivation? That's in that stolen scene from where Titanic. You, where you heard something yeah. and then you turned. Uh, to be out of focus because otherwise it would you would be able to tell that I'm in an entirely different scene in this movie. How do you get from the submarine to the helicopter? Magic. <laughs> the magic of movies. I like this bit. With uh, the spotlight on the guy, thank you. That's this, a nice this, little. This, it, it, when I read the scene, I was like, okay, I think when we get the post together, this is going to be kind of cool. Oh, I'm also can, one of the floaty guys. I think we can make this work. Yeah, yeah. Brian is Brian is one of the floaty guys. That you guy looks like face. Voldemort. 
Yeah, <laughs> I does. was thinking that actually. Yeah. I, I thought of painting his nose out. I mean, yeah. he who must not be named. <laughs> oh Jesus! I know. I know. say his name. Say it. Don't say it. It's cursed. <laughs> so these were kind of like it was a real challenge. It's like either this is going to kind of work or it's going to really, really be stupid. <laughs> and so actually, I'm not, it's nice that it uh, kind of worked for Dorkman at least. Although, although I did think it was funny that it's like the photonic mass. So I'm like, I okay, s- I guess they send out photons. And like, he's like, I need a spotlight. I'm like, oh, so well, I don't enough, understand what they're for at all. Then. One of the things, Paul Bales, um, he, I think his brother or someone is, is a Navy guy. Um, and there are some, obviously, some liberties taken with, with naval procedure. But there are a lot of the stuff in this movie. In fact, we cut out a lot of stuff that was so factual. It was just kind of showing off factual. <laughs> but uh, the Virginia-class submarine... Fun fact. That shot is actual crafty, by the way. There you go. Like, yeah, actual we'll craft service. We just put it in front of the table scene. and put it in the. In that the was the very first scene we shot. That was yeah. the morning of the first day. Um, but uh, Virginia the, class. the Virginia class submarine does not have a periscope. It's it's because hey, we live in a digital era. It has a photonic mast, which means it's just got mass with cameras all over it instead. Mm. So, um, okay. but that's what it's called. Sorry, but is uh, that for use on like Google Maps when they want to get the bottom of the sea? Like, is it just a little camera that sticks up the top and it looks in all different directions and they can record? Street view I guess. for I the know. bottom of the ocean. What it does, it does it allow stick out the top if that's what they were going to no. do. Unless <laughs> they, they turn the sub up. The in, yeah, the entire the oh, entire yeah, bottom right. of the ocean would look like submarines everywhere. <laughs> 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 well, what it does, there's always like, a submarine on the bottom now, of the did ocean. You, uh, did you just spend like a day with the 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 blonde guy, like the, the his second? Just spend a day with him, like swallowing hard yep. and just oh, using no. those. This is this shots is the drink, the best drinking game of this movie. <laughs> there's two drinking games I can suggest, and you can certainly find more. But one is every time we do a sub flyby, have a shot, fine, we'll be hammered. <laughs> the other is Adam. will die. That's Adam Grimes, and I'll tell you, Adam is a great guy and a great actor. And, and when you have a, a, a another Starbuck, yeah, Starbuck, yeah, um, I like him a lot. I'll tell you, uh, my, uh, Adam Grimes in the back and Michael Tay, who's the the helmsman Queequeg up front, are my go-to guys when I needed a cutaway because uh, that's <laughs> yeah. all I had. That's all. That's that's all there was, you know. So as far as coverage, I had like we had shots of Michael Tay turning and looking, and I had shots of Adam looking intense and swallowing hard. And my God, um, the uh, <laughs> the uh, intense uh, and swallowing the, hard. The, the, exactly, the, you the, the, the number of times. Here's the drinking game with Adam: is I, I went to the well about eight too many times, but count the number of times that a scene ends on. Adam looking perturbed and and you know looking off into space looking perturbed. I think I do it about nine times. Here he is. And uh, yeah, that's, <laughs> and this one. is one of them. Um, <laughs> Take a drink. I think editorially I would have reduced the number of if we weren't struggling to make every frame of this movie fit together. Um, oh, was oh, that, here's an invented scene. Here we go. We t- this is insert day. This, this is, is literally we piled up a bunch of stuff in the corner of the asylum and uh, improvised this little scene. We even gave this guy a name from from Moby Dick, uh, uh, Perth. Perth is the blacksmith of the Pequod. Yeah, and uh, and it was because I had Moby Dick on my phone. Yeah, it's like okay, I'll I looked just it up open on it up Brian's and... iPhone. We even we even we broke the set, and then we said, "Wait, he should be someone from Moby Dick." Yeah, and we actually came back. He got back in a costume, and we shot him saying his name was Perth. Um, so this guy engineer is uh, is, is in a, a second. Moby Dick doesn't graphic. he say, "I'll need a driver," and then he says. Brian. Brian. Brian Testigo. Brian Testigo, which is not me. It's the You know, guy in a second we're going to see a helicopter with Brian flying it. Not, no. Not, not yet. Later. Yeah, a different helicopter. Okay. Yeah, the Osprey. That's, I'm still going to put that Fly next by, to, take a drink. I'm still going to put that next to Captain Ammer in my little coincidences <laughs> that I don't think are <laughs> yeah. coincidences thing. Yeah, I I like the little joke where he goes colonel and we have the sound of the tool dropping, which is like he's like so panicked. And it was one of the fun things we 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 came up with this little motif of Boomer Boomer's magical ID. That everyone we never show what that ID is, but everyone freaks when they see that ID, whatever it is. It's, it's, it's basically the it's suitcase his, from Pulp Fiction. It's his golden ticket to anything he wants. <laughs> it's a picture of him fucking everyone's mothers. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's see some this? Kind of terrible scene. I am your father. 
Move. This section <laughs> Give here. Give me an airplane. Here's, here's a say. <laughs> That's how it works. <laughs> this section here, by the way, we totally invented editorially. We, it's, it's a scene that didn't exist, and it's actually made of parts of other scenes that got rearranged in time and a lot of chime. So we just <laughs> created this like moment because we need to stretch a moment. We invented a scene out of nothing whatsoever, out of outtakes. We're going to take a moment to say hi to Derek, uh, Derek Scott there. <laughs> shot of the Bonaventure, of all things, the Bonaventure. <laughs> oh, God. To so, do a stock shot of the Bonaventure, I was not involved in that choice. But Derek Scott is Pip, a uh, great guy. So is, work. Oh, by the way, uh, this uh, real his quick. His name is Derek Scott? Derek Scott. That's my brother's name. That's, okay, that's freaky. <laughs> Here's the shot. These shots of, um, of uh, Boomer on the tarmac, which is actually at the exterior. Okay, of, so the guy on the right will show up in my helicopter yeah, shot Yeah, he will also on. be your navigator. He's also in Jake Lloyd's short film. But these are, these are effect shots that I had to do because we got the shot you'll see it's magic hour we only had one take of this shot that was usable and boomer if you look for it boomer had a hideously obvious uh, uh lavalier mic which i did a hideously bad paint out of for all of these shots he looks like he's got a white lump on his chest and that's me painting out his lavalier mic for thousands of frames is that the place where i screwed that's you guys that's that's, yeah, a, that's, a, a, that's a, the yes exterior well. we shot okay that so here's yet. the thing i've never like been around like a union operation factory scenario where you go in through the gate and they, they say, okay, you're on the list, and you go and you park over there. You have to wear a hard hat. Yeah, all, all that shit. I have absolutely no experience with that whatsoever. It's a real working power plant. Yeah, it's yeah, part yeah. of Los Angeles's power grid. And there are signs posted 20 miles an hour, and I was driving 25, and a guy on a golf chart chased me down and then screamed at me for like 30 seconds. The, the and I was just staring at him like, I don't know what just happened. The, the issue, of, oh, here uh, you can see the... The missiles over her that are hanging over her yeah. are props from Iron Man, and you can see part of the Stark Industries logo on one of them. Yeah, they left uh, over coming from. up. This is one um, of the few scenes where I got to stretch my stretch my legs edit, as director. And I was like, I the the scene originally said she's sleeping peacefully under the missiles. There I said, you go. no, she's not sleeping peacefully under the missiles. <laughs> I like the idea that she can't sleep because she's lying underneath some freaking missiles. <laughs> and so we made this little scene out of it. There this you go. You can see it. Pretty yeah. You can see it says Stark Industries on the missiles. Um. Anyway, the the issue was, uh. They had basically already yelled at a bunch at the line producers for yeah, other people breaking it. it. Yeah. Like he's like, "This is the last time you fucking yeah. people are gonna drive this fast yeah. in here." I'm like, "Oh yeah. my god!" So it was here. I it, went 25, and I don't know these people. It was just an unfortunate coincidence that you happened to be the straw that broke the camel's back that yeah. day. Unfortunately, he freaked me out. He was like William's mom in Almost Famous. He changed my perspective. <laughs> just went nuts on you. For no at least particular I, I learned something. It's a lesson learned. I'll drive really, really slow when I'm around power plants. <laughs> well, it. Moby Dick that gave is, me that. That trick. is generally a good policy. <laughs> I was going twenty. That is ultimately. The, yeah. Hey, hey, it's me. Hey, I'm look here comes. Br- That's ultimately. Hey, the look at the aliens. Movie. So this another random weird coincidence is uh, this guy, my pilot, and I'm a co-pilot, is a friend of mine's boyfriend, who uh, is also a friend of mine. So it's like I because we showed up that morning and I was actually begging Trey, let me be the pilot, let me be the pilot. Come <laughs> on, like no, they already cast it. You can't do that. But I'll let you be the co-pilot. Fine, fucking whatever. <laughs> and that that guy you saw in the previous conference room scene because the the navigator because it was a third character written yeah. and they hadn't cast anyone and so the the morning and this is the last day of production that morning coming in we don't have a co-pilot and I've been begging Trey to let me be in the damn movie for the entire two weeks and you've like, already okay. been in the damn movie but you, I didn't have a you scene. wanted a speaking any, part I didn't what have you any wanted. lines yes uh, so they was again take a shot. They yep. hadn't uh, cast any co-pilots. So I was like, come on, let me be the co-pilot. And there was also this third navigator character, which they hadn't cast at all. Even after, like, oh, we haven't cast the co-pilot. Well, the okay, you do. Have more lines than you do. Yes. Yeah, he does. Yes. And the whole day, I was like, well, they haven't cast. There I am. There There's my there close. There he goes. This is Brian's big moment. And his haircut. Yes. They're, they're, the haircut that I got specifically for yeah. this. He ran out and guys. Brian said, "I'll get a haircut right now." <laughs> I did. I was like, "All right, go." Do I it. did. Uh, How far did you have to go to find a hair place? Like 
five minutes super cuts. And you just said, shave it, go, 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 yeah. go. Yeah, it was like ten dollars. Military cut. Boom. Um We even but, reimbursed him for the ten bucks. Uh, were you were you haircut. like a little perturbed? Was it like full metal jacket? <laughs> no. We should have taped that. Although part. I will say, I mean, I've mentioned before that I was in ROTC in in college and then wasn't, and that was the first time I had a military regulation haircut in all that time. Uh, but anyway, uh, so they hadn't cast the navigator even after the, I jumped in as the co-pilot. So I was like, well, I guess I'll just be you know do all the navigator lines too. And so we get up, and Kevin and I are in the the cockpit thing, and it takes a minute to climb up, and everybody's set up. And it's like, okay, so Trey, I guess I'm doing the navigator lines, right? And so the line producers around to like, no, we should we should actually call somebody in and do it. And I'm sitting there going, you fucking kidding me? Come on. <laughs> yeah, I know you really want to. Have and so we sat around lines. for 15 minutes while they called this guy and said, hey, can you be in here in, in 15 minutes? Well, and no, he's he, a very the, nice the guy, pilot, by the way. The pilot, by the way, seems more concerned about the situation than you do. You, I guess you're you're more trained. Brian's just yeah. You're, Brian's, just, you're very stoic. Brian's, while he's like, yeah, yeah. holy shit. Yeah. You're like, ah, we'll be fine. <laughs> well, there's nothing I can do. I'm a yeah. co-pilot. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's totally stuck If he with gets it. killed by debris, then yeah. I'll take over. Yeah, yeah. then sure. I get to do yeah. something. So. Also, I will say with the with the whole, you know, Star Trek shake thing that we've talked about and you know, move the camera and move the thing. We started when we shot the scene of, you know, a couple of PAs rocking the thing back and forth and the camera yeah. moving obviously. But there was like some gels taped to it or whatever. Oh, so it was like flap, flap. Yeah. Flap, so flap. every time they would move the helicopter itself, it would flap, flap and, and basically screw the sound guy over. So after a certain point, they stopped doing shaking, stopped the, shaking, shaking the, the helicopter itself. And it is so much harder to time your shake, like your body mime stuff Interesting. with somebody else when you have no that, nobody to that's, like. Isn't that squid scene awesome? I feel like there's a, an entirely different movie about how the... The, I mean, and the that's a pretty is, big squid. Yeah, I was gonna say I, uh, what I'm saying that's is a giant like, squid. There's there's an entire movie about how the entire ocean is filled with monsters, <laughs> really, <laughs> yeah. because the, in this because world they really should have left that squid alone because that would have taken care of Moby Dick if it's a 600 foot <laughs> Look at squid. That lighting instrument right in the shot, visible lens flare. I also feel yes! like I feel like someone missed a joke. I was like, so far, what else is 600 feet long and organic? And then Barry goes. My dick. Yeah, yeah that which is which is what he said. And yeah. Brian gets his. And Brian shit. gets eaten in a whale by a whale. If you do get and a good now death I'm scene, dead. Yeah. you get a death scene. Yeah, Brian. Yeah. And uh, that was. That was wait, are of, you still alive on the sub? Do we see you again on the sub? Yes. There You'll was. See yeah. me there was. A, there was also the line. You know, they they shoot it and they. You know, they, he shoots the squid, but they're like, "Oh, you got Moby Dick," and I'm like, "I'm gonna say that for instead of saying you've got balls, like when yeah. someone does something You've've completely ridiculous, dick. man, you got Moby Dick, dude. You got Moby Dick. How many dick jokes were made? All, all, all of them, lots. all of them, yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah. But the line was, uh, yeah. Doby, the sonar operator, says uh, she, she says it's not Moby Dick, and he and Doby says it, it's it's six hundred feet long and organic. What else could it be? Barry said, "My dick." Uh, which is <laughs> that really happened? Yeah, no, that's what Barry said. That was Barry's. Uh, oh my God. Barry's jokes. Yeah, yeah, yay! So um, Bar- my, joke, my awesome. joke didn't make the cut, but at Either. least I wrote it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Barry is. We haven't even talked about Barry yet, but Barry uh, came in and uh, he already knew how he wanted to play Ahab. He wanted to just go really big with it, and I oh, said, I scene. said, run, 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 and uh, Barry. Know, this this, this is going to go on for a while, so I can. I'll, I'll, <laughs> well, we'll this, talk about it. This scene, okay. But uh, let me just finish okay, the thought because it talks about Barry. So, like scenes like this, for example, I didn't even cover. It's like, I got it in one. Adam actually said after we shot this, he goes, are you going to get my single? Are you going to turn around? I'm like, no, no, we got it. We totally got it. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm just going to let this play out in one. Because this is, and this is one of those things where I didn't go, hey, Brian, hey, uh, hey, uh, Barry, why don't you go like way homoerotic with this? You know, I didn't give him that note. He just brought it. And I was like, I love it. That's a wrap. We're moving on. New deal. And then in editing, Trey, he was like, okay, well, I'd done a couple of other scenes. And they're like, okay, uh, do this one. And so I, I looked at the footage and all the scene. And I was like, uh, <laughs> realized uh, Trey, there was no coverage. You realize that there's only one angle on this whole scene, yeah. right? And he's like, uh, are you sure? Yeah. 
Yeah. And then yeah. I remembered. That's right. I yeah. Because we were we were so tight that day. So we Brian, so you edited done. this take. Yeah. He picked I, well, the take. I, so you like I literally picked the take. I picked you, the take. I put take it a down. drink. There goes there goes Adam. So you put it in, in the and you, you adjusted the in point and the out point. Well, I also put this shot after it. This, well, this is another this high is another, five. This is another shot that scared me because you know it's like I've I've got nothing to cut away other than this one injured guy, but it's like he's gonna walk down a hallway. I've got nothing to cut to, he looks and I'm gonna more like he's got his face puked on than hit I'm by gonna, steam, and I'm gonna <laughs> shoot it in slow motion just to make it even slower and longer. But the uh, but I love the guy in the background who stands going, up into the light. But Captain, what? But uh, the, but the producers loved it. The the asylum guys love that scene. Love that scene of the slow mo. It's very down. dramatic. I like it too. Yeah. Mainly because I edited the scene and I didn't have to do anything. Yeah, it's like it's, it's two shots. You just cut two shots together. You've shot ninety seconds of the movie. Cut exactly. I, I like movie. this bit here where he's got. Which I don't. Does this torpedo even come back? I feel like he, it's the it it's does. the thing they it's the cable thing that they shoot into okay. into Moby's eye. Now, Fadala is a reference that I don't even know what the reference is. Fadala is just another one of the harpoon. Uh, it's a harpooners. special harpoon, right? No, no. It, he's one of the harpooners. Oh, it's oh, it's okay. So the the harpoon itself is called Fadala, but that's actually a he's character a harpoon. name. Yeah, I, I, but I but I like his whole speech about it's got to be something he's touched. I'm yeah. like, even if that's true, how did you figure that out, Ahab? Yeah, <laughs> like, Ahab's got a lot of well, things wanna, he knows that we don't know why he knows. Do that. you want to tell the one? Here's the here's your navigator again. The reason yeah, that guy became yeah. the navigator is we just shot this scene and wrapped everybody, and he hadn't left the building yet. And that's why we go, you <laughs> would you like to be in another scene? And we grabbed him and put a put a put a suit on him and threw him in the back of the helicopter. Which funny funny enough, he's in the movie that Jake Lloyd is shooting right now. He is in it as a um, like one of his mooks, one of his henchmen, bad awesome. guy guys. Yeah, awesome. you'll you'll never see him, but you'll he's there and. He, he he showed up. You feel him. You well, feel it, him. You no, feel his presence. Because he's a very nice guy, but he's not the most coordinated of individuals. Fly so, by, take a drink. So it was. Uh, <laughs> so Jake was telling me like, yeah, we have this one guy who's been awesome. He's been there every day helping out, but he's he's also borrowed a bunch of these guns from from somebody he knows. And like, but we can't give him any guns because he just keeps breaking them and tripping over himself <laughs> and all the time. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, that's you know. And then I sh- I show up to help the first day a few days ago. And in walks this guy, and I'm like, oh, it's you. It's the navigator. That screwed me out of seven lines. <laughs> How you doing? We should talk about, uh, we should talk about it real quickly. Oh, this is, this is the big sequence. This is I the did. big sequence, which yeah. uh, we'll talk about. Uh, one of the funny things, one of the, ways, one of the ways we made, Brian was our de facto naval attache <laughs> for the movie. Yeah, my mili- the, the de facto he our, military He was expert. our military advisor for the movie. And one of the things is his one line, we actually cut one of your lines that you could have had a bigger line. Yeah. But we agreed you didn't have to have that line, was in that scene that we already had. Um, the, the pilot says, activate Ramex. And the script said, as you flip your switches, remote automated mine interdiction right. clearance system activated, which is what Ramex stands for. Um, and we said... You wouldn't say that. Yeah, that's, that's why you call that, it Ramex. That's so you why you say all the words. <laughs> that's why you invented acronyms in the first place. <laughs> so, so unfortunately, we cut down nine words out of your speech. To but, just but activating was say, all you said. In in my Talk defense, I was too. I was the one. That, oh yeah, you'll see a Go little ahead. bit of nipple right there. Yeah, oh. yeah. hey I, baby. I looked at that nipple a lot, and not because <laughs> I wanted to, because I had to. I liked. Uh-huh. I also liked that 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 previous scene where uh, where it was like, oh, I think I think Moby Dick's out there. Well, it's a cruise ship. Oh, I'm sure that'll be fine. Yeah, <laughs> let's what keep could, going. Well, the cruise ship happen? is another is another the cruise um, ship is another reference. Um, the, uh, uh, reference the Rachel, the Rachel, which yeah. is the ship that rescues um, uh, Ishmael uh, Ishmael at the end. So they told me, by the way, they said, "Oh yeah, we're gonna do this scene with all these bikini chicks all over the cruise ship. It's gonna be awesome." And it's like, "Okay, where do the bikini? Where do you get bikini chicks from?" I said, "We're the asylum. We got bikini chicks on a Rolodex. Like you can't believe." <laughs> 
day of the shoot, one girl. We got one girl. So like, oh, this is my party on the boat. Is I got one chick in a bikini. And she looks yeah, like I can't believe it, huh? She yeah, looks wow. like a seventies era Jenny from Forrest Gump. She like kind of does. Just killing herself. She kind of does. Playing. Sh- appearing in movies like this. So this is this is a of all the scenes. I'll say I'll take the I'll take the the blessing or the curse for this. Of all the sequences of the movie, this section is the closest to what I kind of meant for it to be. I would say. And it's a combination of the fact that it's got a pretty decent energy. It kind of more or less makes sense. And Brian edited it. Yay. <laughs> I, I will say I'm very proud of, of, of how the sequence turned out. Thank you very much. Yeah. I mean, it, I think it was. And it was a lot of fun. It's, once the. Uh, and it's. Those, uh, those are your hands, weren't they, those, uh, those are my hands, yeah. Those are one of our inserts. My hands, which aren't black at all. But thanks <laughs> to the red lighting. Doesn't um, matter. We shoot it's like we, the abyss. You can't sh- tell what color it is. They, we shot that. We shot that in the audio department at uh, Asylum, and there's uh, literally like three feet from where we were editing. There's yeah. that little patch bay. What I, audio were you using to generate the waveforms for all these waveform shots? The actual sound. Uh, really? Yeah. As actual After Effects uh, waveform generator. You know you can get away with using a song or something. I know you can, but uh, I actually had it be the real the <laughs> real waveform. Man. Trey is a stickler, man. That's right. When I'm doing my my screens, man, don't be messing with me. I I will say that once the harpoons, because this is kind of like a ramming sequence, and then once it turns into the harpoon sequence, yeah, the, I think it's probably my favorite. It's it works pretty well. Uh, well I, I think it works you know, as well as considering you know we're just making it up as we went along. Yeah. Uh, you know, it worked out pretty well. And it's just, it's made of a thousand little bits and pieces shot all kinds of different times. Now we had to fix one thing in, in post because another thing oh, that, yeah. another thing that got by us as we, and we didn't really hit got us. Got by me too. Yeah. It didn't hit us until we f- were done editing the sequence. And suddenly we realized the distances that Renee is calling out started at like 300 meters and counted down from there. And then we went, wait a minute, the whale is 500 meters long, <laughs> which means he's like half of his own length away. And it still takes him like twenty seconds. And very and slowly creeping towards us. <laughs> so in post, we had to totally redub it and re-edit it. So she he starts at kilometers and looped her lines. So the the, the distances made sense. We had to totally wing it, you know, and like, oh, okay, well, it's seven seventy meters could be seven hundred meters, and we'll put that scene next. So here we oh, go. There he's only five hundred feet. Yeah. So, so here's the. Not, he's not that. So here's what I. This sequence I call the Nantucket sleigh ride. Uh, <laughs> we just. Uh, I did that once with an old girlfriend. Yeah. There you go. Where you, uh, which is I think a line from Fandango from the, the Kevin Costner Kevin Reynolds movie where they uh, they they hook onto a train to try and you know go for a ride, but uh, but this scene this crazy wacky scene where they get towed to the bottom of the ocean it is the when you're doing a submarine movie, um, you have to do the exceeding crush depth scene it's like a law so this movie sure has one and here's our exceeding crush depth scene and and I was thinking talking about being familiar with other movies I was like okay every submarine movie ever made has the exceeding crush depth scene. How can I bring a new spin to that? And that, that what, that, having a giant insert, whale tug them wasn't enough? The insert of the, the depth meter is yeah. probably my yeah. favorite screen burn, and I like that. Thank you. I like that one. And the way the camera's going like in and out, like, whoa! <laughs> Thank whoa, you. Whoa. It's, all, it's an all-digital shot. Thank I, you very much. I love it's this. entirely invented in post exactly for that reason, nice. to, to, to nail it in as to, you know, that's... Uh, I just put you know wacky camera shake all over it, but it's an entirely digital shot. I, lo- I love the little interaction between Starbuck and, and Ahab in this whole thing. This, well, this and we'll talk about Fucking Barry. Ahab is scary. Yeah, he's we'll, like, we'll he's talk like about Barry. Off on this. We'll talk about Barry here because uh, this is the thing. Barry, you know, Barry would say, "Well, I was thinking, I because Barry spends the whole movie on his feet, pacing around the control room. He goes, what if in this one I just sat down?' And I said, "I love it." And we just figured out, and and that puts Starbuck in front of him like this, and and I said, "This is great." You know, this he's just going to sit there. He's this literally going to sit. Relaxed. Yeah, he's <laughs> literally going to sit because well, the idea is you know. As as much as you know, you can tell you can you can say if it worked or not. But you know, we're trying to at least make a movie out of this. Um, you know, the idea that he's hooked the, he's hooked the whale. He's got the he has Ahab has what he wants. He has hooked the whale, 
And he doesn't care what happens from now on because he has finally caught Moby Dick. And, you know, that's that was his goal, you know. And uh, and the idea that um, that Starbuck is like, you have to stop this. And you know. and uh, uh, Ahab goes, no, I'm, he, he doesn't go no, but he, he shakes his head. He's like, clear, I'm not going to. Yeah. And Starbuck takes it upon himself to go, okay, well, I'm going to counterman your order. And he stands up to start to do that. And, and the then, time yeah, just which, works which, out. Which, there's Brian's, oh, that was Brian's hand doing emergency blow. Yep. And uh, and this and this scene of the uh, the death gauge <laughs> reversing it, itself no, no, no. leads to okay. oh the one shot. of my favorite over the top whack shot. ball shots. Here we go. Oh, I, I so wanted shot. the audio department to put like roller coaster girls screaming. Ah! I saw it's even got a render flip in it. I love it. It's even got a render I, bug. Because I edited most of that sequence without even an animatic, and then when they yeah first, when I first had that animatic and put it in, I was. Like Trey, <laughs> is that you, really the shot? Are we really doing this? Can I please cut <laughs> the first sixty seconds out of this? Like, nope, nope. Gotta keep it. We need every minute. Yeah, this movie has to be ninety minutes long. Are they outside? No, it's a big white scrim. It's, out a, there. it's the same helicopter. The same helicopter that everyone's in. Yeah, it's just been color corrected. It works. Yeah, now, some of these helicopter shots are pretty good. But it, hardware that hard, that yeah, that sub is not so it's, metal it's a in problem. sunlight is. Pretty yeah. straightforward. You can make that work. And it's, also, well, I, as you as you, as you said in you said you said it in the monsters commentary uh, uh, that uh, hard body is easier than uh, you know than soft body. Than yeah. soft body. So and also, I th- I think the hardware VFX, shots are much more successful than whale shots. Unless you know the hardware is in the water and getting splashed on, then it's tricky again. I think the VFX guys know like okay, we're definitely going to go back to the well on these helicopter and osprey shots, so we're going to put in a little extra time yeah. so we and can use them off, from in future movies. Often they're off the rack models that they just bought. I like his line. I have no problem seeing white as evil because his eye line makes it look like he's looking at Renee and not Ahab. <laughs> yeah, as he turns she, around, she, is, she did this to me. She is even whiter than she's even whiter than Barry. We're recording this before the movie is officially available, and someone in the chat asks, uh, "Is there both a Starbuck and a Boomer in the movie?" Yes, yes, cool. Yeah, is there a boxy? There's not a boxy. <laughs> there's a there's a Pip. There's a Michelle Ishmael. There's Moby uh, Dick. Stub. Um, Tashtego. Tashtego. Fadala. Uh, um, now what um, is the and the um, coffin, which we never got around to explaining, but the coffin is again they they cut the entire ending. The producers made an editorial choice that I was not involved in and cut the entire ending. So the coffin at the beginning is a setup that doesn't ever ever pay off. But uh, so people who know the book are going to be thinking there's going to be a payoff and there's not going to be one. What would the payoff be? The payoff at the end of the movie, spo- the end of the book, spoiler, <laughs> um, the Pequod is sunk and Ishmael survives by clinging to a coffin that floats uh-huh. up from the ship. So there was I this, see where you're going. Yeah, so there's a whole scene where, and there's, we changed the line to match it oh, because right, they, they brought her they ship brought on, her sub on, on They brought her ship right. on board. Um, so, and, and which, which, which was another editorial choice because the script said scuttle it, even though the ending said the coffin pops back up after the Pequod <laughs> is destroyed. So I said, well, they can't scuttle it. They have to have it because it's in the ending. So, so now, Maybe they just didn't understand what scuttle meant. <laughs> yeah, so now it says that, except that now we don't need it to be there anymore. So it's like, we could, and we shot both versions. We could have used the line where they said scuttle it, but they, they didn't use it. I said, put the, put the scuttle it line back now that we don't need it, which happened many times. I mean, editorially, because especially at the very end of the movie, end of the schedule you know there's like coming up in the in the atoll sequence there's an effect shot that i did that isn't in there there's just the plate (laughs) it's like oh it would have been nice if they'd used the effect shot and replaced the plate with the effect shot but i guess we can't have nice things did you do the visual effects at home or at the office i did them at the at the asylum i had to learn to use a mac Oh, doesn't that suck? Yeah, the only computer they had that was available that no one was using was a Mac. I've been doing... So uh, first time in my yeah, life, yeah, yeah. my entire life, I actually used a Mac. I've, uh, I've been doing effects and After Effects stuff on a PC for like four or five, maybe six, seven years. 
And then at one point, I was working at this place that had nothing but After Effects on Macintosh. And I'm like, all right, I can make this work. But like, I, I use a lot of Photoshop when I'm doing compositing because I'm always just making stuff and pasting it here and there and everywhere to make it look the way I want it to. And everything's wrong. It's like a dream. Yeah. It's like, yeah. you know what you're supposed to do and your hand does that and oh, then it doesn't give me the result you yeah, want. I just switch from Seriously. control to command. And I know. It's like, that was the big breakthrough. Once I finally it's got, memory, okay, though. the little clover leaf is control, yeah. then I'm okay. Um, by the way, the, one of the nice things about the movie that was kind of fun to be wait, he was it was going away from them, but the feet was still counting. He he remains at three hundred feet the whole about the whole time. Well, he I does. Notice, that's yeah. that's the plot point that ah. they explain here is that he you know he he knows that three hundred feet because he's seen Red October apparently. <laughs> he knows that that's the distance that they can arm torpedoes, so he he won't get any farther away. This sequence again, again, this scene here, half the scene, half the shots. I'm sorry to say that the effects guys gave us we couldn't even use because it was they were so out of context. It was like that doesn't fit the sequence at all. And, of course, then they would get mad because, well, we do this effect shot. It's like, well, this is a case for asking us what shots you should do because that shot doesn't fit in what we're, the edit is. Um, but one of well, the, you know, I mean, when, when the depart- two departments are all the way across the hall. I yeah, mean, it's, it's like it they're, they're li- there literally is a hallway I sh- separating them. I should, them. Uh, we, we skipped over it as well, but you were saying the whale has seen Hunt for Red October. He apparently yeah. has seen Galaxy Quest, too, because that's how he <laughs> sank <laughs> the Essex. He has, exactly. <laughs> no, that's, that's totally well, from Red October. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh. this, uh, this scene, uh, one of the things that was nice, though, about sort of being able to just kind of freeform stuff is the, the little character moment of how... Oh, look at that sub. Of oh. how, yeah, isn't that beautiful? Of how, why, yeah, why is it red now? Yeah. <laughs> they always put the sub and the whale too high in the water line. There's no sub rides that high in the water. I mean, these are things that had I directed this movie and the effects guys <laughs> wanted to talk to the director about anything, I would have told them, but they don't work that way. Um, anyway, it, it was a nice... It's, I, like I said, when we're in the sub, I feel like it's my movie. When we're outside the sub, it's... I don't know whose movie it is, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. But uh, the little scenes of... That little scene there where we're sort of blocking it and just sort of coming up with the blocking, you know, I think it was Renee's suggestion, I think, where she said, I don't have anything to do in the scene, so what if I don't even come in the room? What if now I'm so out, I'm so not part of this anymore, and now it's become this this hunt for the whale, and he's going to kill it even though he What if I just don't come in the room? And I was like, oh, I love that. So she ends up standing in the doorway, and then Barry has to come back and talk to her, and we got some new blocking out of it. And I was like, oh, that's, you know, that's fun. I like the process of discovering, you know, how we're going to shoot it. And I should, uh, I can also mention that I totally, uh, as far as shooting that whole control room scene, which is a set on the same set as Ark, but we never shot that set in Ark. So you don't see this set in Ark, but it's right next to the main set, um, is I totally uh, stole a concept from Star Trek Enterprise. Because when I was on the set of Star Trek Enterprise, they have that Star Trek bridge set, which is so many levels and so convoluted and so cramped that it's very, you can't lay dolly track in there. You can't, you know, you can barely walk around in that thing. They shot most of the shots by having this big uh, techno crane that would stick in from outside and just kind of fly around and float around, which is how we shot 90% of the scenes here. I said, get, get, put the camera on a crane and we'll just fly around and we'll just find, find angles. And for example, this scene here is all in one where we push in and then Barry pulls us back and you notice how everyone forms this tableau. And I felt, <laughs> I felt so self-conscious. I'm like, this is such a cheeseball shot, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And so we ended up with this little cheeseball shot. Here's um, the here's, guy handing out guns. Here. Here's yet another scene, which I, I kept pushing off the schedule, and they kept insisting it come back. They wanted the lock and load sequence. And I'm like, oh, my God. That's, that's yeah, the most cliche the, sequence the, of all time. The thing that baffles me, though, <clears throat> is there's this big lock and load sequence. It's like, all right, we're going to go do this. And then, and then this. And I don't even know how he got on the sh- boat. And, well, and then they're gonna just sit around and talk for cute, a while. Cute story about that. Okay, um, <laughs> this whole section there's a there's about a there's about two minutes missing out of the movie there, 
because I, I was saying exactly that. Said. That's exactly yeah. what I said. Yeah. I said because because right there is actually the DVD layer change. Like it it skips for a second right there, yeah. and I'm like I feel like the layer change skipped over a couple <laughs> minutes, and yeah. and the, <laughs> not just not just there pause. were two things that this were is the other uh, major scene that I added by yeah. the way. Also, which I'm very proud of. Which major scene? Barry. Uh, major scene. Barry definitely brings it. In Barry scene. just uh, all, I, oh, all, yeah. all I had to do in this scene was just watch on the monitor and keep everyone fucking quiet. I was yeah. just like keeping the cats just kept the crew like shut up everybody you know and just watch on the monitor and, and oh well the one thing I will add to it is the one thing I did we added one line to cover it but otherwise it's as written um, as written Boomer didn't have a pistol so originally it was just he comes in, they have Barry does a monologue, and Boomer is apparently swayed by it. And I said, well, you know, what, what's Boomer been do, trying to do this whole time? Boomer is basically, he's the Jack Ryan character. He's uh, Harrison, or he's, he's Martin Sheen. He's Martin Sheen. You know, Apocalypse it's Apocalypse Now. now. Um, you know, it's like he's here to either put a bullet in, in Ahab or not. And so I said, okay, we'll do the whole scene as written, except that you're going to hold your pistol behind your back the whole time. <laughs> and that's it. And, and that's it, only <laughs> because you didn't have a table to literally put it under. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Table so, so you so you would have added the line "save your save your." That, and so so Barry's line, what Barry said, that's great. And what and and Barry always liked that Ahab is so is always one step ahead of his opponent. Mm-hmm. That Barry know you know that Ahab knows he's got a gun. Mm-hmm. And so he says, you know, he says, you're not fooling. You're here to kill me. But uh, you know, so it's very apocalypse now. But uh, you know, Barry just added that line about well, so save your ammunition. You're going to need it. And we all said, okay, well that brings a little more to it. Then that's fun. Let's do it. So we did. All right. Here's the thing. Uh, imagine a god. Imagine a god. Uh, we'll just go with imagine the last genie that Jafar is. In a, that's God, right? That's God. Yeah. Now, do you yeah. want one that is vengeful or apathetic? Yeah, I'm. Go- I'm, I'm going to go with apathetic. I think apathetic. Go apathetic. I don't think that's a difficult one in there, Ahab. I think no. it's easy to figure out which one's worse. He's like, yeah. I don't know which one's worse. I'm like, ah, indifferent, uh, indifferent, uh, malicious, yeah. malicious. Indifferent is better. It's. I, <laughs> I feel a little dirty going with the old rotating fan. Thank you, you know, uh, Jordan Cronin with uh, yeah. Blade Runner. You know, everyone has to do it, but uh, by gosh, why not? You know, what the hell. What movie haven't we ripped off? Blade Runner? Let's do Blade Runner. Blade <laughs> Runner. <laughs> we'll do Blade Runner meets Apocalypse now. Um, what I was going to say, the missing scene is um, we had, a, we had a, a wide shot of Renee dictating into her dictaphone, oh. standing on the, on the surface of the sub. Um, we shot a whole bunch of inserts to try and explain how, how um, uh, Boomer got on board the sub. Because you see him swim toward the sub from the crash. We shot some scenes that the, the producers didn't like. Um, of uh, connecting the dots of him getting on board the sub. And we shot a scene of Renee, which we needed to redub, and we ran out of time, and she had to leave the first dubbing session, and we never had another dubbing session that, that we could schedule, where she was going to talk about the other big plot question, which is why the frick is she going to the island in the first place? So we had her hold, do a, she was going to do a whole monologue um, explaining that this is, uh, you know, clearly that this is not a normal whale, This is, and she needs to see this through, and blah, 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 which connects to, you'll see here in a second, coming out to Pip and saying, make sure this gets back to the Institute, so that all of her observations of this crazy, strange whale species will at least survive if she doesn't. Um, and we just, you know, ran out of time, and we never put those scenes in. So we literally just had them placeholders, and then just before we, we locked picture, we said, well, these aren't done, and we don't have time to do them, so we'll just take them out. <laughs> and so we just cut it out. So at this point, this is where the movie's going to the atoll, where I, I have less cogent arguments I can make for what you're seeing on screen. Uh, I can talk about individual shots, but I can't tell you much about what's happening because none of this is assembled the way I meant it to be when I shot this. So you, you gave us the short version of that earlier. What what happened? Scheduling? Uh, scheduling, pretty much. We we you know I will I will take the hit for. Um, Boy, that's a bad hand wound, man. Yeah. That's that's nasty. Oh, the the, the 
we'll get to the this uh, the meaning of that uh, that prop. <laughs> I have to tell the story oh, of that yeah. prop That's in right. a second. But uh, look at that little little uh, little salad fork there, and we'll talk about mm. that again in a sec. Um, for example, when we shot this scene, we're like, you realize we all we all realize the same thing that just wasn't covered in the script. These characters have never met. And that how they how do they even know who each other is? Which is which is why that we, for example, we shot that scene. We added that scene in in insert day, of Boomer getting at least Boomer knows who she is by adding that scene of him getting the info that she was kidnapped and so, like our ancestors like did. like our ancestors <laughs> did in zodiacs, um, in open boats. Here you see clever directorial trick because we only had two zodiacs and we're by cutting and putting one person on the camera boat and then doing some effect shots and there's the real whale gun which is which barry built himself we'll talk about that in a sec now all this whole idea of like guys looking from the top of the sub and blah 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 is is all out of context and all out of continuity and makes no goddamn sense and i agree that it makes no goddamn (laughs) sense um i had a plan for it but uh what happened was all part of the all plan. part of the plan. One one little reel doesn't make sense, and everyone loses their minds. <laughs> um, the the, the uh, we lock we lock the movie by reels, and and because it has to go downstream, it has to go downstream to color correction, final audio scoring, et cetera, et cetera. So we locked the movie by reels, and we had we locked reels one, two, and three with the producer, with David Ramawi is the main guy who signs off on whether a reel is locked. And, and so we had done one, two, and three. Reel four starts somewhere in this neighborhood. I'm not sure exactly where reel four begins, but we're in reel four now. And, and one night, I literally stepped out of the room. We had just locked reel three. I figured that the editor and I would have another day or two to finesse reel four. Um, I literally stepped out of the room for like an hour while they were just doing some mopping up and, and doing some details. I'm like, oh, Ramawi, because David Ramawi will, will do something. Well, can we put a, look at different takes or you know, something he'll want to change? But it wasn't major. I stepped out of the room, and when I came back, he'd locked Reel 4. <laughs> and I said, Reel 4 isn't a reel yet. Reel 4 is a rough assemblage of scenes that we haven't begun to finesse. It doesn't have any effect shots in it, not even animatics at this point. And he goes, now we have to move on. It's locked. And then we proceeded to like try and triage Reel 4 for the rest of the production cycle. We kept trying to go back and fix it, where the real problem with Reel 4 was it was never assembled in any kind of coherent order to begin with. So it was always Band-Aids on, on a heart transplant. So there's a lot of things I tried to do to kind of fix Reel 4 and kind of, well, well I'll make some more screens to try and explain what's happening. And uh, maybe we can take another effect shot and maybe get them to do an effect shot that may explain things. But... Uh, it uh, it, just, it doesn't make no goddamn sense to me. <laughs> so, what, like, what, what she, se- she doesn't seem nearly shocked enough at at all of this Again, happening. She just puts her feel, hands on her mouth. Feel like, free oh. to point out all the things that are wrong with this reel because nothing, like I said, nothing is in continuity and nothing is happening in the order in which I meant it to be. What changes? So it uh, is whatever you take from it is uh, perfectly valid. What changes need to be made, or would you have made? Well, it's four overline, overlapping lines of action, all of which need to be, you know, there's, there's four different stories being told here. And that's the kind of thing that you, you kind of have to finesse, you know, how you, how you edit them together. So it's just sort of like this happens, but it lasts way too long. And it's supposed to be happening contiguously with this other event that's happening, but which you haven't seen yet. And, and uh, the whole torpedo oh, business I, and everything else. I just saw that, that uh country club thing that was in the background oh nice did you see the building yeah just briefly cool on the abandoned island yeah yeah yeah, on the abandoned atoll most of the time most of the times we painted out things but uh sometimes we didn't quite get to it i will i'm okay with the cross scene because the cross scene is its own little segment and we did work the cross and brian didn't you 
No, I didn't work didn't, the cross scene at all. Okay, no. so me and the Alex. The, I think we're we're done with my scenes at this point. Okay, the cross scene. Yeah, it's a wrap for Brian. Whoa. Yeah, Brian as, as an editor. Um, although I think we see you die or something. Maybe. Oh, I'm sure. But um, but uh, the 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 cross sequence is I call it cross sequence. Um, this sequence where he is, puts a cross. Yeah, on he his makes leg. a cross out of his like and and Barry. We'll get back to the gun in a second. But uh, Barry also built this rig himself. This leg rig, he built himself. Um, <laughs> Say that again. <laughs> this leg rig, this cross leg rig, Barry Bostwick. Barry Bostwick built, built that himself. rig himself, and, and he also built his gun. He built that whale gun, and that's I haven't told that story yet. But he built he built this cross leg. I was prepared to skip that from this from the movie entirely. I was prepared to like cut that part out entirely because it's like it's a big thing. It's a whole rig that we're going to have to do, and I don't want to have to bother with it. And we're going to lose half a day trying to shoot a whole rig. Um, but Barry loved it. And he came to the set having built a whole thing. See, I got this build where I put my knee in like this, and then I figure I'll put it on. Um, and uh, I was like, "Oh my god, okay, this is, is going to take forever." Yeah, and it did. It took. Yeah. It took. We lost a morning getting the whole cross gag done. It looks great, it, but it's like I'm like, oh, screw it, it's fun." And so uh, you know, and he's happy with it. And I got to contribute some of it. I did some. There's a little paint out I did, but um, my contribution is is coming up in a sec when he knocks the the arms off the cross. I said, here's how we're going to do it. You're going to put your left shoe on your right foot, and then you're going to stand holding the cross as if it's your other leg, and then you're going to hit it with the rock. So <laughs> no one understood what I was talking about. I was like, no, seriously. I get it. Put your left shoe on your right foot, hold it like it's as if it was your other leg, and you can puppeteer it like you're walking and knock, the, knock it off. And, uh, and, and then suddenly Barry went, oh, that's genius. And I was like, I, it's not my first rodeo <laughs> in terms of practical effects. So let's do it. So uh, so here it comes, yeah. So here he's he's holding, he's got his foot on the, in, shoe on the wrong foot, and he's holding it with his one hand, and he's knocking the legs off with the other, and and off he goes. And there's your there's your insert shot. Now gun, the gun. When we were shooting that scene in the by hallway, by the way, that gun is like forty five feet tall. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's a really really huge gun. We're shooting that scene in the hallway. Um, the the our hardworking art department who had a dollar to do the whole movie. Um, came in and he was supposed to have this, you know, the script wasn't specific about it but it said he has some you know amazing gun to kill Moby Dick with and <laughs> our department guys walk in with a spear gun like you'd shoot a bass with you know <laughs> a, an off the rack spear gun about you know four feet long and and Barry you know Barry rolled with the punches pretty good he was a great guy very easy going he understood you know that we were a zero budget movie <laughs> but he saw that one but oh, it, no, he, no. he literally he had, to, he had to call bullshit on that he literally said I'm killing a whale with this that was his very gentle way of saying no. And so what we did was we took the we took the the dart off of it. We went we we ran to the prop truck. We found some chunks of metal that they had. We made a different tip, and we said, "Okay, this conversation will be about the blade, and we'll have to you know when we go to the when we go to the atoll." Also, who is he? He's, I've never seen the Asian he, guy before. In he's my life. generic. Uh, he's generic boat dude. Oh, right now he's generic boat dude. Right now he's me. He's Karen Fodder. Yeah, the wide shot. He's he's, he's Brian. All right now. Um, the Hold whale. on, let me finish the story. Mm-hmm. So so the um, you know it's, there's bad effect shots. We can always talk about bad no, no, effect no, no. shots. It's there's nothing that... but bad effect shots coming up. Oh, including my uh, the the plate that is that should be an effect shot, but it's just the plate. But anyway, so Barry literally went home on his day off. The day after he built that whole gun that you see him carrying, Barry Bostwick built that himself. That's his own contribution to the movie. He made that gun. It was awesome. Now, anyway, my thing with on. the whale is that its head is like 60 feet wide, <laughs> and it's flush with the ground. Yeah. I, I also love that line right that, there. They're like, I hear fire. It's nearby. I'm like, how big can that island be? Of course it's nearby. <laughs> it's right around the corner. There we go. It's a it takes you five minutes. It's a big, crazy whale, man. 
He's that far away. See, that's uh, this scene here again. There was a way I intended to have it done, and I actually have a background in creature. And see, that's supposed to be an over of uh, Boomer, but it's not. <laughs> it's a, we shot a whole element, and I did a whole effect shot of it's over Boomer to explain how he survived and didn't get crushed and all that. Um, anyway, and now the game has changed. Exactly. So, so here's my here's <laughs> my one here's online. my one editorial contribution because everything that was written in the script was completely unshootable as far as you know the, the two minutes we had on the beach to get these shots. So I added this scene. I will totally take the credit for this joke of he's not hunting us, and then here he comes leaping over the island mm. because I figure if there's anything that Asylum would want, these are the people that had a shark leap up and eat a jetliner at thirty thousand feet, a, a whale jumping over an island can't be out of their league you know it's like i'm gonna i'm gonna intentionally do that shot because i feel like it should be in this movie and then it turns into this harryhausen thing which again i shot plates i shot elements i had a plan no one asked me what to do <laughs> so it's like it's very harryhausen-y kind of mishmash of uh, mysterious island i'm gonna say it's a harryhausen homage um so it's weird that, you know, here I am. If only we'd thought of rocks before. Yes, exactly. That my, seems to be its weakness. If ba- only we had rock technology. <laughs> yes. If only we'd made the element of the humans the right scale. It, this is a lot of issues here. <laughs> but but um, anyway, it's it's a very funny thing. that. Uh, I, and now you see why I, pro- I originally proposed as far back as even before we started <laughs> shooting, where I go, Trey, from now on, instead of going to the mansion, it should be it's going, going to, the, to atoll. the atoll. This movie definitely goes to the atoll. And uh, there you go. I'm just I'm just trying to give you an insight into why. <laughs> Um, and and much like uh, much like Danny Boyle, if I could have thrown out the third act <laughs> and made a different third act, I certainly would have. Um, but we did our best. Um, why is the whale so pissed all the time? Because why, it, why is he always with the pissed? Because he's the devil himself. Ah, uh, um, had I had yeah, I actually, uh, I was I was saying when I watched this the first time, like he was, he, I'm like I. I'm in Ahab's corner on this one because yeah. he's chasing after everyone and, and killing boats yeah. for no reason. This, like, I was on his corner until he was like, it's the devil himself. I'm like, all right, I'm less in his corner about yeah. this. But <laughs> but I still think the whale should probably be stopped. The whale's I'm totally probably, a dick. Yeah. yeah. The whale's a douchebag. There's no there's no doubt about it. The whale's a douchebag. Um, and, and again, it's one of those things that, you know, directorially, had I had a little more time to kind of get my head around the big picture of the script, I think I could have... Sh- shaved some corners and sharpened some corners that kind of would have made the motivation yeah. a little a little clearer. I would have loved to have done that. I, you know, I regret that I did I didn't uh, quite have the the resources to to make that happen. Um, cuz I think you can have a, a schlocky B movie that uh, at least makes kind of That's sense. That's the best shot of all time. It is the best shot of all time. It's Barry Boswick on a Zodiac on going a Zodiac. 30 miles an hour with a 7-foot gun screaming at a giant whale. And, what and, more do you want? Uh, the fact that it was illegal that we shot that shot. Um, <laughs> Why we, was it illegal? Because Barry wasn't he he was not the designated driver of a Zodiac, which we could only have people who were supposedly like proper, licensed to Zodiac guy. Yeah. And they were like, "No, no, Barry can't drive the Zodiac." And Barry says, "I own a Zodiac." Yeah, I know how to drive a Zodiac. And so I said, okay. Literally, we grabbed that shot. We're on the way back to the dock after shooting on the water all morning. And we just said, just put Barry in the Zodiac and have him go by the camera boat. Just just do it. Just freaking do it. Just roll it. And we did it. And, and so we did it. We totally gorillaed it. Um, was it the blob where it's like, just do it again. Don't answer the phone. Yeah, it was exactly like that. It was like, yeah, Barry's not supposed to drive a Zodiac. Well, let's but do fuck it. it. Once we have the footage, Let's it do it in the anymore. open water when no one's watching. And, you know, then once it's on film, hey, sorry. Now, there's a know? blooper reel take where he falls. Yes. So you did it twice at least. We did it three times. And that was the third take in the blooper reel is where he, <laughs> unfortunately, he hit, a, he hit a wave and fell over backwards and pranged his head on the motor on the, on the <laughs> motor and i thought we'd killed him well yeah but then and i said that serves me right for trying to be all gorilla so wait, wait. i've killed barry bostwick <laughs> so you're already I'm the john af- landis of the 2000s you're already afraid that you're gonna get, like get seen by the coast guard or something and then 
Oh, we're totally running from the Coast Guard the whole time. And then he like, you're you're like, all right, just fucking do it. And then he falls over and clunks his head on the engine. Yeah, and now we're going to have to evac him. Right, because you can't have, if if someone And I'm John Landis. I'm John Landis now. (laughs) I'm freaking John Landis. That's great. On an asylum movie. And he is Vic Morrow. (laughs) Yeah. So here's here's where our four overlapping lines of actions do not overlap. Oh, soulful look of Starbuck in the distance. Um I did make another another editorial decision. It I also made. it also seems to regenerate its missiles as it goes. This sub, he's because they fired a bunch of them, and now he's like one through four. I'm like, didn't well, we yeah, already they fire have all extra those? stock? Are they? Yeah, oh, I okay. mean, the sub has more than just the torpedoes it has in its tube. I, mean, I guess seven, yeah. yeah, box two. They have uh, torpedoes and they have and they have vertical missiles as well. But uh, this this whole scene, you know, I knew going in was going to take a lot of careful editorial dialing in to make sure that the events all followed in sequence and it would have been awesome if we had ever had a chance to do that uh that would have been so sweet <laughs> and and to and to also cut out some of the lines that no longer made any sense in context etc cetera, etc cetera. so it's so, probably wishful thinking to hope that you'll have like a director's cut well no like i said the director's cut of this movie consists of of what as soon as they get on the board of the zodiac stop watching ah. <laughs> that's the director's cut of this movie Stop watching it at the point they get in the boats. I wonder if that's how Danny Boyle is with Sunshine. When the movie goes to the atoll. Yeah. When the guy with the fucking rage zombie shows up, just turn it off. Yeah, we're done at that point. The sun was a credits. Yeah. So there was a whole other thing. And, and again, geographically, this is not what I meant to do. And time I like wise, how this mind just goes plunk. Yeah. This, this, was, this again, <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't want to feel like I'm knocking the effects guys because they're very talented guys and I like them. But they gave us a, a shot of the whale bumping into the mines. And I'm like, <laughs> who, who said that should be a shot? It's, mm-hmm. There's a shot of him dodging mines as written, but if he's bumping into them... Here are the arc shots, by the way. Yeah, there's shots from arc that I just stuck in there just to you know get some effects happening. But it's like... <laughs> it's like what, in what world did you think it was a good idea... To have him bump into the mines and the mines don't explode. What are the mines for? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You understand the concept of a mine, <laughs> don't you? I uh, thought it was like a fence and he just jumped over it. Yeah, or it was like it, I figured he'd scratch himself on the pointy parts. You know, I did, you know, again, it's one of those things where it's like I don't, I don't, I don't want to ask the question. I don't want to <laughs> like rile them up because I still need forty-nine more shots from them by tomorrow. Yeah. So I'm just gonna like let it fly, and maybe we'll use it somehow. This is great too. She's like, oh yeah, I can totally outrun a nuclear blast. If Which I go fast and enough. I brought this yeah. up to Trey while we were editing, and it yeah. still it still bugs me. Well, the problem this- here's the problem. She should have done that five minutes ago. Yeah. Continuity wise, the way I designed the sequence, she's already been doing it. Right. She's already running. They know the torpedoes are going to be launched. Is the theory not that the torpedoes are already flying? Because it's already we had this whole setup of, you know, in two hours we're going to launch torpedoes whether you're back or not. Yada yada. Well, my so sh- the idea is that she's protected by you know again I didn't write the ending and she had to survive somehow and it was crazy. But I figured at least she'd Put get. Her to, in a fridge. She, she's on the backside <laughs> of the island. That was the original scene. The original scene was the coffin was lead lined. And I said, oh, my God, we're stealing the worst idea from the worst movie of the past uh, of, the, of the Indiana Jones sequence. Um, well, my issue with that, that yes. moment here was always what, was. And here the scene was, it goes on, this cut goes on for a minute. But the idea is, and the other missing shot that I wanted was her, like, getting down the backside of the island and seeing the far side of the island yeah. engulfed in flames. So having the barrier of the island. Yeah, that she's on the other side of the island from the blast. But my was, issue was is... my plan, but who listens to me? Because, it, you know, I don't know what's going on. And anyway. she, was, she was always like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm to run. And the two military guys are like, eh, why bother? Fuck it. You know, you're never going to survive. Which, I mean, there are two possibilities. Either <laughs> either they're right and they're justified in saying that, or they're, it, they're not correct 
in which case military people should not just fucking give up and lay down and wait for death. So you're saying there's a script problem. You're having a script problem with this movie. Yes, a little bit. The, the, the I want there to be a shot of Ahab in the stomach going, Ah! The last 20 pages like of the Boba script Fett and the like that. got rewritten a lot and didn't necessarily get better. Yeah. Uh, so, um, and this, and here's the whole scene, which here's is... Here's the, the Jaws ending. It's yeah. like she surfaces and pretty, credits. Yeah, she surfaces and you can see her wetsuit floating behind her. Um, this was freezing cold <laughs> at sunset. It was fun, though. We're out there with the waterproof camera snorkeling around. It was fun. So there was a whole ending scene with the, da, with the da, where the coffin, da, the da. boat, the coffin, and we shot it. Um, where the upended, it was fun to shoot. Where this up, you know, the upside down wreck of the coffin comes up like the African queen. It pops up, you know, just the bow sticking up, and she clings to that. And, and the Rachel is what rescues her. And we shot that whole scene, which is which is which is true the, the book. That's yeah. the book. Um, but uh, the, Dick. the producers didn't feel that worked, and neither did I. But they didn't ask me how it was supposed to be edited together because it was just a bunch of random shots. Uh, and they said, well, we'll just cut it out. And I was like, okay, it's I, your movie. It's like a TV series. It's your movie now. It's I like, like a TV the, uh, series, and I'll just, you know, disavow the last 20 minutes of the movie. The attempt to make the movie longer by having the world's, the world's slowest, slowest credit crawl. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, after all the jumping through hoops of the movie has to be 90 minutes, and therefore every scene that I had that I would have loved to have taken a minute out of is excruciatingly slow, the last, directori- the last producerial decision was to cut out a bunch of stuff in brute brute force and lose easily two minutes out of the movie I was like well if I could have chosen to lose two minutes out of the movie I tell you what two minutes I would have lost it would have been those excruciatingly slow dialogue scenes but uh, you know in the end like I said in the end it's like shooting a TV series it's the movie they wanted to make and I just you know contributed that's that's how it works Brian you're in here twice right yep not three times like I should be. <laughs> I I but made a twice. I made a decision. Directorial decision. I made a decision. Which one did you cut? Uh, assistant to the editor. Assistant, assistant to the director because that seems so you know. Yeah. Dwight Schrute. Yeah. It seems so. It Dwight just made it seem like you're my boyfriend, and I just don't want to give that impression because everyone thought. Well, that that's anyway. why you wouldn't be, let me be in the fucking movie till the last day. <laughs> well, I I don't want to show favoritism, Brian. I'm sorry. Fuck. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. yeah. Seahawk yeah. co-pilot. Seahawk co-pilot. Co-pilot. Brian Finifter. Brian. Yes. Anyway, I also got an additional or assistant editor credit where technically what I did was Matthew more like Cod. associate editor. And it's a small distinction. Yeah, you were you were a co-editor, certainly. There's sequences that uh, I, I was glad you were I like you the pop in. song here at the Mark end. Kind of, you have to. You have to have that for some Now you're reason. a man. You're um, a many, many, many man. Um, you're Moby, a whale. Moby Dick, or two, 2010 colon Moby Dick. Yes. The global uh, assignment. Yeah, is, you didn't uh, explain that. Wait, you, I don't think you explained why the By the way, the I know Mark Kaczynski, Joe Lawson, why Manny Rosario, and Aaron Whitlam, why, why and the, Trey Stokes, why, and Kevin Hand. Why the date is in the title. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Talk about that. So, Brian Van Epter is this another week. Yeah, talk about it. We're almost done. With yeah, the movie. exactly. <laughs> You're like, oh, we'll get to that. Right as we're, <laughs> in, we're in the middle of post on this movie, um, the word came down that this movie was going to be retitled to 2010 Moby Dick. Um, at the same time, their movie Princess and Pony became First Furry Valentine. Right. Gacy House became 8364 Gacy House. Yeah. Um, cheerleader Camp became number one Cheerleader Camp. I guess so. <laughs> um, I have a theory. MILF remained MILF. <laughs> um, I uh, it didn't become like you know forty seven milf or something like that, and I think uh, I think there might have been one other title. And your theory is is that numbers show up first on alphabetical lists? Correct. Uh, on on that. on on nice. demand on pay per view yep. on alphabetical listings, numbers are first. So um, you know the glo- the asylum. And this again, a point in their favor. I, I, the, the asylum are really great guys, as we said at the very beginning. They're they're nice guys. They have no illusions about what they do. 
And one of the things that is the watchword in the halls of the asylum is quality does not change our bottom line. <laughs> That's uh, they've they've made better movies that they tried harder to make better, and it doesn't sell any better than the movies they make the way they normally make them. One last nice in joke is uh, the actual company because yeah. it's common in in film production for each movie to be made by a different company, and so Asylum does they make a new company every yeah. time. Yeah. And for this one, it's Peleg Bildad Productions, which is Peleg and Bildad are the two people who commission the uh, Pequod in the original boat. Yeah. Well played. So um, so 2010, Moby Dick. Well, well, first of all, will always be listed before... People say, well, why do they call it 2010 when there's only one month left in 2010? Well, it's going to come before any movie called 2011. Mm-hmm. And it's always <laughs> going to be listed before 2012, uh, which is already a movie. So, uh, you know... Which is all, already like three movies from the asylum. Exactly. There's, you know, the, the 20... So, so there's method to their madness. And they, they said this... This is not even a secret. They said this on their blog. Yeah. They said this on their, on their blog or their own homepage. They said, no, it's because it shows up, you know, because because st- marketing studies show that movies that appear earlier in the pay per view list people are going to just give up tend to get tend just, to get yeah. watched more often, yep. and that's because people go you know oh, AI, uh. <laughs> 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 they'll go right to it. Nice, you know. So 2010 Moby Dick. Oh is, yeah. Uh, okay, so the poster, which is obviously a rip off off of uh, Jaws, which is fine. And yeah. the, we're looking at the They're DVD. Not the first me- to do it. No, and we're looking at the DVD menu screen, which the, the <laughs> as poster has an aircraft carrier in place of a boat. There is not one frame in this movie of an aircraft. Of an aircraft carrier. carrier, yeah. The water uh, on the on the, the the rain almost looks like rice hitting the. Yeah. <laughs> the we have to say blast. this is a better menu than uh, than the blob menu. No, though. totally. This is, <laughs> yeah. I was I was or the Ghostbusters menu. The, um, the marketing yeah. and the packaging is very handsome. Yeah. It's like obviously their game is put it in Blockbuster and get someone confused. I guess say what's amusing is is you know having having been someone you know who for several years now. Um, has been in the business of ragging on people's movies, um, and and we always try to sort of give give makers the benefit of the doubt by going, well, you know, maybe this happened, maybe that happened. Um, I'm glad to be able to sort of go, well, here's the insider story of of how that happened, um, and uh, you know, the fact that it's like, well, hey, you just gotta kind of roll with it, you know, and I, I and uh, part of it is that. It's it's a weird truism of the industry. People go, well, yeah, you've done a lot of things, and yeah, sure, you've got millions of views on YouTube or whatever the hell. But have you ever done a feature? It's and and they go, oh, well, if you haven't done a feature, somehow that just doesn't count. Um, if you say you've done a, oh, I've done a feature, Twenty Ten Moby Dick, it came out, it's on video. That's then you're in a certain level. It doesn't matter what that feature was, even. But if you made a feature, um, so if for nothing else, I can now cross that hurdle. Have you ever made a feature? I have made a feature. <laughs> I have indeed shot a feature in all of 12 days and and four weeks of post (laughs) i shot a feature so um but it's been really interesting to read the reactions to right now just as we record this just the trailer has been online and of course the trailer the reaction to the trailer is pretty much exactly what you'd expect if you're familiar with this thing called the internet at all (laughs) it's been hysterical like renee o'connor should fire her agent well that maybe or maybe not be true michelle's very nice actually but uh, i don't think she should because michelle convinced Renee to do the movie so I'm, I'm all for Renee's agent but um, it's really interesting to one of the things about the trailer because the trailer has a very notable moment of Barry saying I'd strike the sun if it insulted me and everyone goes my god what a hideous dialogue you know that's from the book kids <laughs> that's, that's a quote from the book it's like You'll find sandwiched in between, like, well, clearly they have no concept of the original classic novel versus, wow, what terrible dialogue. It's From like people that, who I'm sure have never read the original yeah. novel. Yeah, oh, sure, yeah, because you've read Moby iPhone. Dick, Mr. Internet that person. damn right. 
<laughs> we need the, we need, the uh, we need that commercial guy to come in. Here's to you, Mister Internet Moby Dick expert. <laughs> anyway, I have no, I, I have no summary. You know, Dorkman, do you have a summary? You're speechless. Are you no, left speechless? Just cool. there it is. Yeah, Brian. <laughs> it was a lot of fun to work on. It was a lot of fun to to watch. I'm actually the more time I spend at Asylum, I the more I become fascinated with how they do things. Yeah, uh, it's a very educational. I, I, it is very educational because one of the aspects of you know that. I don't know that much about filmmaking is the business and the marketing and the producerial aspects yeah. of it. And the, the game that asylum has set up is very interesting and you can't, you can't say it's not successful for them because they, they, they all they, drive really nice. Cars. They all very, they do. Um, and so it's been fascinating just to watch that, that mindset and, and kind of think to yourself, okay, if I, if I were running this place, how would I, and God may, hopefully <laughs> someday I'll be running some kind of, <laughs> production studio you know or you know in that kind of capacity how how would i do this what would i do differently and what can i learn and uh just god bless these guys because yeah. they, <laughs> they go yeah. to the mat every day yeah and they don't have any illusions about art or uh, anything aspect of that their place in the universe yeah. yeah and that was part of it for me too is is you know they they and they've admitted uh first of all they admitted privately i'll go ahead and say it and they'll be pissed if they ever hear this but they're not going to um but I'll jump back a second and point out that um, Asylum movies don't have director commentaries on them because directors always go, fucking Asylum, they fucked up. Because you know, they this. did a while ago. Yeah, they, they all, used to, they and they just, realized that it was yeah. just directors just saying that they were just bastards. Um, I, th- they said to me, they were grudgingly, they didn't want to admit it, but they said this is probably the best directed movie we've had. Um, yeah, because they were really impressed by by the footage we got. You know, we had the same resources that every asylum movie has, yeah. and we came back with footage that actually looked like a movie and actors who actually looked like they were acting. And uh, and I got very lucky. I got very lucky having Alex, the DP. I got very lucky by having, you know, Renee and Barry, who are actual real actors who who actually you know worked at it. A lot of the supporting actors are great too. Yeah, and, Barry to make the props. Yeah, Barry made his own props. Um, you know, I get very, very lucky with a lot of the cast and crew and, and you know, the fact that, hey, I've done 48-hour films. I've already shot on that set. I had a lot of advantages kind of to hit the ground running. And, uh, you know, yeah, no, it's not uh, – we didn't exactly make uh, an Oscar winner, but uh, compared to what other – if you want to compare and contrast, Asylum made a movie called um, – 30,000 Leagues Under the Sea, which will appear uh, slightly later in rotation on pay-per-view than 2010 Moby Dick, so suck it, 30,000 Leagues Under the Sea. (laughs) But uh, 30,000 Leagues Under the Sea was shot with the same budget, the same schedule, and on the same set. Mm -hmm. Um, The star of that one was Lorenzo Lamas. Um, If Look at 30,000 Leagues Under the Sea, literally on the same set. Same budget, same schedule. Same uh, studio. Same studio. I literally just shivered thinking about that fucking yeah, movie. Yeah, 30,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Compare and contrast. So so the Asylum guys said, this is you know, you know, really good. And and really the problem was, in the end, I broke their, I broke their system. Because we, we needed just a little bit more time to refine. You know, when you only have like two angles of a scene... And yeah. none of the performances are any good. It's really easy to edit. It's very fast. <laughs> when you actually have lots of coverage and good performances and you actually get everyone all involved in trying to make it look like something, you know, the, the effects guys would try and do something better and these audio guys were trying to do a better job and the uh, editors were trying to do a better job and that slowed everything gave down. gave Asylum a strain. It slowed everything down. I was a bolus that their system could not pass through fast enough, which is part of the reason why we got jammed on the fourth act and I'll, you know, part of it's my fault. I should have rushed it faster at least to get my rough cut done. And, uh, you know, so it was a lesson learned. But um, 
I learned a lot from them. They learned, you know, they learned the blinky lights and a few other tricks from me. And I learned a lot from their process. And a lot of their process is pretty impressive. I wouldn't do everything if I ran my own zoo the same way they do. They have certain things that I don't agree with and I don't think are conducive. But uh, they definitely have their thing. And I did it to, to learn how their thing works. And I learned not to drive over the speed limit on a thingy. Yeah, in a power plant, in an operating power plant. On a road plant. around the power plant. I it, wasn't dodging buildings. Yes, you have bright red hair. You could have. The only thing you could have had that was worse is if you were wearing a turban while, <laughs> while speeding next to an operating part of a critical part of the Los Angeles power in grid. In my defense, I did have a bumper sticker saying, I don't belong here. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. That was clear. We all good on Moby Dick? Have <laughs> we said everything there yeah. is to say? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that was Thanks Moby Dick. Thanks for watching, Moby Dick. And this, this is as close to a real director commentary as this movie will ever have. <laughs> this has been Down in Front. You can always find more episodes at downinfront.net. Go to iTunes, subscribe, get a brand new episode every single week. Down in Front Show at Facebook, Down in Front at Twitter. Contact at downinfront.net to find us on an email. Go to the forum, involve yourself in the conversation, find out when our chats are happening. You can involve yourself in the actual commentary that way. Uh, what else? Store. Buy a shirt, please. Store. Buy the DVD. I don't know if this will be on Amazon. Will this be on Amazon? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's on Amazon. You can oh, pre-order yeah. it right now. Buy this. Find it on Netflix. Check it out on pay-per-view. Whatever. Trey gets a penny. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't make a dime. Uh, show notes and chapter breaks on iTunes. Matt Peta Veda. Website design Holden Hill. My name is T. Christie. And I was the Seahawk co-pilot. <laughs> Mike Scott <laughs> <laughs> and Brian Testigo. <laughs> and this has been Down in Front. Thank you very much for listening. Good night. Good night. Do you want to say like a disclaimer? Like I'd podcast the, the sun if it insulted me. <laughs> the opinions of Trey Stokes do not reflect the opinions of Asylum <laughs> or its. Subsidiaries. I think I was completely even-handed, and and I I, I don't say kind. I didn't say anything that I regret in this podcast. I don't think that they would take exception to anything I said. Fuck those guys. Trendsinyourhead.com.